on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show. Matt and Nick will hopefully be chatting with some Star Wars prequels royalty in the form of stunt coordinator Nick Gillard. If these two don't screw that up, they'll move on to breaking down the latest episode of The Bad Badge, while also speculating on what may go down over the final four episodes. They'll also have some juicy Kenobi series updates to discuss, which if true, definitely help to shape elements of its plot. Matt will get you all caught up on the latest War of the Bounty Hunters happening before disappointing Star Wars gaming fans. The show will start winding down with a look at some hot new collectibles, and then it's time to head for home with this week's fan segment, including question of the week responses and a new batch of top five Star Wars fan artist features. Punch it, Chewie! everyone welcome to a brand new episode of the star wars time show and boy oh boy is it going to be a special one those of you on the live stream you can probably already see why but those of you listening on the audio only platforms i'll fill you in it's a special show not because nick and i are special people it's because we are joined by some Star Wars royalty from the prequels era in the form of Mr. Nick Gillard, who was the stunt coordinator and sword master of the prequel trilogy. So welcome, Nick, to the show. It's awesome to have you here. We'll clap him in a little bit. All right. Um, so again, it's just this is a, a treat for uh, people like myself and Nick to have you on the show Nick Gillard. So again, thank you for your time. Thank you for... Uh, you know, taking taking an hour or so to talk with uh, us two knuckleheads over here in the states. Oh yeah, I was just saying, you two look really professional. Well, Jeez. good. See, clip he said it. it he clip said it. it live. So, someone, yeah, there's a new clipping feature on YouTube. Go ahead and uh, our fans, the super fans, get it clipped, put it out there. We have someone from Star Wars who thinks we look professional, but it won't take them too long, or it won't take Nick too long to figure out that we we aren't professional at all. Um, all right, Nick. So let, let let's get into it. Um, someone that grew up. I mean, I was in my 20s when the prequels came out, and. You're someone that I identified. You, you were like one of the all-stars of the behind-the-scenes content for all three of the prequel films. Uh, Nick, partner Nick, I think you can agree. But to me, watching those behind-the-scenes, it always seemed like it was Nick Gillard, Rick McCallum, or like Ben Burt. So it's just surreal to be sitting here talking to you right now as, as, as someone that, you know, appreciates the art of filmmaking, uh, has some other friends that are in the stunt business. So I, I know a little bit about what you guys get into, but I just, I don't know. I, I just, I recollect my memories from the prequel areas watching the behind the scenes. I believe Mr. Gillard was the star of those BTS clips. <laughs> Did they, I feel like they followed you around the most when they were making those, or, or am I crazy? That was the sort of start of it. That's when they first, that they first started appearing on the set. Like with any Venom, they did it properly on Star Wars. And, yeah, of course they did, because we do the fun stuff, and, you know, yeah. and you can only film so much of making a costume. So <laughs> That's right. 
you know, so they they hung out with us, and um, yeah, we welcomed it. We we tried, we were allowed to have fun in those days, so we did at every opportunity. Yeah, it just it always looked to me like uh, you know you and you and you and Liam, you and Hayden, and even um, oh hell. Uh, uh, Sam Jackson. It just always looked like you guys were having a a party, uh, chore- choreographing out the fights, the sword fights, yeah. uh, any of the other action sequences. So yeah, I, I, that that doesn't make sense. That you guys probably were where the fun was at when those uh, BTS peoples had their their cameras out, uh, trying to find some some good stuff for the Blu-rays or, or hell back in those days it was what still DVDs I think DVDs uh, the yeah. prequel era. Um, yeah, that, but it's also you know you're, it, it doesn't happen now. You're on a you're on a a movie where they let you do your job. You know, it's the biggest indie movie in the world back then, and um, they they hopefully pick the right heads of department, and then they let you do it. You know, they don't tell you how to do it, and right. they also let you have fun. So. Getting into your, I don't know if, if other Star Wars fans have a, a clear understanding of the body of work that uh, Nick has completed or, you know, is still working on in his career. I, I mean, looking over his filmography, which we have his website up right now. I, I encourage everyone to check it out. Danger-Inc.com. Uh, it has uh, Mr. Gillard's filmographies up there. And I'm telling you right now. If you are, you know, someone in the geekdom and you're in the pop culture and have been for decades, you're going to be like, holy shit, he was in that. He was in that. He was in that, too. (laughs) Uh, But uh, Mr. Gillard, again, to me, looking at your filmography, would you say your your first big production was Superman in terms of you being involved in it? Yeah, it was actually it was my it was the first movie I officially did as a stunt person. Over here, you have to qualify. It's very difficult. You have to be like an instructor in six sports. And then you have to um, do an apprentice for like 10, 10 years under, under a stunt coordinator. Wow. And that was my, I, done, I did The Thief of Baghdad in 1977. I come out of the circus. I used to ride horses. And, um, well, I still do ride horses when I can catch them. <laughs> but, um, and I did a job in 1977, and that's what sort of got me interested in it. And so, that, you know, I went through the qualifications, became the stunt person. And, um, yeah, Superman 1 was my first one. Yeah, I mean, you but were in... I was telling somebody the other day, my first memory on my first day on Superman 1 was walking into the um, costume truck, and the costume designer was swigging half a bottle of vodka at seven o'clock in the morning <laughs> <laughs> and i thought wow yeah this- welcome to the film industry <laughs> yeah th- this production's going well right <laughs> <laughs> oh that is hilarious do you remember your gag from that movie were you just like a, a goon that superman beat up or actually you know i can't all i can remember of superman one i did i think four of them in the end i ended up doubling Lex Luthor's nephew or or something but um, Superman 1 all I can remember is we were in Times Square in, in England they built it it was the biggest set I've ever seen it was like a mile and um, they were dropped there was crap dropping down I, don't, I can't even remember what why but they were dropping a concrete block onto a 911 Porsche I remember mm-hmm. and they had six Porsches and they had three of them that had already they'd taken the engines out at least. 
but they hadn't got the shot after three, so they just were dropping concrete blocks on brand new Porsches. And I, you know, at the time I was driving a thirty-dollar car. It was right. You're probably hey, can I just have one of these? Exactly. <laughs> can we swap it? Can you drop it on my car? I'll take the Porsche. <laughs> uh, but I mean, here, here's just uh, you know, we're, we're obviously going to talk about the Star Wars stuff, but here are some of. Uh, Nick's other credits that I just think people are gonna be like, holy shit. I mean, Alien 3, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Willow, Labyrinth, where he doubled Jareth, uh, Interview with a Vampire, where you're doubling Cruise, uh, a lot of the James Bond movies, Waterworld. I know people laugh at Waterworld, but it's like a cult classic at this point in yeah, time. That's a massive uh, production. Well, a lot of a lot of action sequences, uh, if anything else, in, in Waterworld. You know, a lot of the the jet ski stuff. I bet that was interesting to work on because it was all kind of water based stunt work, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, there was some on deck fighting and whatnot, but it was tough. It was a, it was eleven months in Hawaii. Oh, you know, two shots a day. It was brutal. <laughs> yeah. So, how much time did you spend on the beach with with coconuts and with lays and and all That's, of that? I, I don't actually remember doing any stunts. I remember <laughs> I remember a lot of coconuts. Yeah. And beach. Yeah, was loved loved that job. That's the perfect. That's the perfect I, job. I also did. I did uh, not just Alien Three. I did Alien One, Two, and Three. And there you Indian, go. One, Two, and Three. <laughs> Yeah, so oh, it's the so, queen in Aliens. Awesome. So, like I said, I mean, I know a lot of people. You know, we we as Star Wars fans, we kind of get our blinders on, and we all we all know who you are. We 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 praise you and applaud your work, and really what you did for sword fighting and Star Wars in general. Because before Nick Gallard kind of put his spin on it, I mean. It, some of the sword fights in the original trilogy, they have some emotional meaning to us, but they, they weren't the flashiest type of fights. You're like, okay, these guys were supposed to be these crazy uh, skillful warriors based on samurai, and we didn't really get any of that in the trilogy. And then obviously with the prequels and what you did, we, we, we kind of got to see what Jedi or, or Sith could be. Um, one question, though, before we get into, into Star Wars, I got to ask, because he, he's kind of become like the the actor's stuntman, if you will. What was it like working with Cruz, Tom Cruise, that is, and, and was he still doing as much of his own stunt work back then? Or is this something he's kind of started doing now, the older he gets and the more he's worth? <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it baffles me, this, because he, I, I doubled him a lot when he was young. When, when he was young. I was young too. But um, the first time, I think, was Legend, uh, the Ridley Scott movie. And I don't think he was famous then. I don't think Risky Business had come out. Right, right. I know he certainly didn't have a driver when we were doing that movie. And I used to go and pick him up in my $30 car. Um, (laughs) That's great. I know, I know. Um, Right up till... Far and away, for last time, no, Interview the Vampire, I think the last time I worked with him, he wouldn't go anywhere near a stunt. I mean, really? he, like, he wouldn't even shoot a gun. Once on Far and Away, we were in, in makeup and they really wanted him to shoot this musket. And the director came in, you know, Ron came in and he said, absolutely not. You know, see his name, he's stunt Nick Gillard, that's who fires the gun. So being strapped on the side of an aeroplane, I don't know what, yeah. I don't know what come of it. 
You know, maybe there's something to say for Scientology after all, but I don't know. It's like it's like he feels like a Superman these days because it's I don't even know how the studios green light him doing this stuff, considering how much he's worth to the to the potential box office. But hey, I, I, I don't understand. I mean, like I go, I do shows now where my TV. Let me just get rid of that. Hold on. No problem. Uh, it's a stuntman looking for a job. Probably. <laughs> that, that's how um, they are. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, you know, I do shows now where I, I got called in recently for two actors shouting at each other. You know, that's how seriously they, they take their safety these days. <laughs> oh, because of COVID. I, okay, yeah, well, I, no, I got I you. I, this was before COVID. Oh, I don't okay. Even, <laughs> I don't know why I was there. They just shouted at each other. <laughs> they, they didn't want them to, to to throw their back out, exert too much energy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, you have to shout it, this way. I, yeah, I know how much... I know how much you guys can make just for a day's of day's worth of work. So I mean, I, I to go there, you know, but that's exactly what I wanted to say. You know, that much money for two actors shouting, and and when I left, the the director said, "Oh, you know, thank you so much, Nick." So <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah call me anytime. Anytime somebody it. yells, give me a call. Easy money might get some might get some residuals from the job. It is because uh, <laughs> the friend I was talking about, he he's more into the Marvel universe these days. Did some of the Netflix Marvel stuff, uh, but he sent me a shot last week. I, I don't know what set they're on. But he's like, bro, we've been sitting here for twelve hours today in the heat doing nothing, but I'm getting paid my rate. And I was like, yeah, well, it's so destroying though. They, oh, yeah, it, it is, it is. There are guys that go on shows here now uh, and they sit there for two months. Yeah. You know, fit young people doing nothing. I'm now, doing a Marvel thing next, next after this. Oh, oh really? Wow. Like, uh, any th- can you elaborate much on it? It's still uh, top secret. It's a reshoot. Uh, it, they're reshooting a whole fight sequence that didn't work. But yeah, I certainly won't be sitting on my ass all day. <laughs> yeah, because I, I was maybe it was Eric's fight scene. You should yell at him. Just be like, yeah, "Look, Nick had to come fix yeah. it." <laughs> yeah, we you had to get her. You had to get a real stunt coordinator in there to do the job right. <laughs> uh, all right, um, so Nick, did you? I guess how did the Star Wars gig come about? Was it was it from your connections? Because you know you were working on some Lucasfilm properties with Indiana Jones and whatnot. Did, did you kind of link to the prequels that way, or did you come into the job through another route? I, uh, it's hard to say, really, with Lucasfilm. Um, yeah, I'd worked for them a lot, and I got on well with them. And at the time, or just before it, I was doing the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. I'd done a couple of those in Morocco, which had sword fights, and... Um, I don't know if that had anything. I don't know. You know, I just got a call. They tend to, Lucasfilm, that Lucasfilm, the old one, tended to um, book people, not so much if they were the best in the world, but if they get on with other HODs, if they were conspiracy, you know, if they could work together. Because we were together for like seven years on those things, the six HODs. And... Yeah, so I don't think they picked me because I'm particularly good, but because they thought I'd be collaborative with the other HODs. Was that through Rick McCallum then? Because didn't he run the Young Indie? Yeah, Rick. It it was all. Those days was, it was Rick McCallum. Yeah. 
Lucasfilm see Rick McCallum. Now, when you got the gig, was it was it something like, hell yeah, this is going to be great? Or did you look at it as like, eh, you know, it's a, it's another job. It's going to be, you know, 10 years plus. That might be a life sucker. Was, were you pretty jazzed to get the, the Star yeah. Wars movies? You know, I'm old, so I love the first ones. Not as much as I love the prequels, obviously. But <laughs> yeah, there you not. go. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, I know we all know there's three camps here, but um, the prequels obviously are the best one. But I liked, um, you know, I was a fan of the first ones. And so for it to land in your lap, um, it's exciting because you are, you know, every movie you look at, you think you can do it better. And, uh, yeah, so to get a chance, no one ever thought that chance was going to come, come again. And, and so when it did... I think the first one, we didn't take it seriously enough, you know, which is probably why it was good. Uh, um, because it, it had been 30 years since the last one. Uh, the scripts were odd, like they always are. You know, there's a lot you have to work out. And, um, yeah, we all had a brilliant time and didn't take it that seriously. It's interesting. Determined to treat it like a, a television show I used to do and I sort of still do I used to do a long-running cop show called The Bill it was run it ran for like 20 years you know and, and you, that's where I learned my business and um so I treated it like I treat most jobs like an episode of that I don't okay. take it seriously I don't get bought up in the politics I'm not interested in how famous people are you know get the job done and Lucasfilm then allowed you to do that it's pretty incredible that you say that because episode one is known for like the the most iconic fight you've ever seen in Star Wars, you know, at the end with Liam and with Ewan and then with Ray. I mean, that that fight is just legendary, so much so that, you know, not two, three months ago, Dave Filoni comes on the, the behind the scenes in The Mandalorian and says that basically all of Star Wars that we know is built around that fight. Yeah, and the you, and the you guys fight. just... Yeah, just yeah, you know, like, like like the guys never offered me a job since. Well, we, we, we can. Well, we're <laughs> we gonna help with that. Call them up. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Dave, you you want to base it around something new? Uh, give me a call. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, don't worry, we'll make that pitch to him. I, I want to. I yeah. just want to clarify. I want this on record because I believe I heard Nick say that he personally thinks the Phantom Menace is the best prequel. Is that correct? Did I hear that, Maybe. or am I? Yeah, you. Me. Yeah, Mr. Gallard. Uh, well, yes, I do, actually. Yes, yes me do. too. See, we yeah, told you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do for this reason, that it was made for 5 to 14-year-olds at the time. You yeah. know, it wasn't made for fanboys. It was made for 5 to 14 It was made for, well, like when I was a kid, it was the same. Mm-hmm. And uh, for that, and I have guys now, like I work with actors now, 25, like that, and, and they come up and they can love it. You know, that was their world. And, oh, yeah. And as you say, the making of... So there was a guy at work the other day, a lovely young man working on camera. And um, I was, lo- you know, I'm working on a TV show at the moment. Don't get me wrong, I love that's what I love. But I was lugging two crash mats down the road in London. And this guy said, oh, my God, you're Nick Gillard. And I, I went, yeah. <laughs> and he said, um, he said, you're the reason I got in this business. You know, he said, watching making making of things and so that's what it's about you know so never mind what you think about the original or or these new ones they're made over time and for for a people 
And for that reason, yes, it was the best one. Thank you. I, I've been I've been screaming that for years and no one believes me. So I'm glad that you you have confirmed my belief. Yeah, I think it had, you know, it's got the best cast. It's got the best. It, it just said the best everything because George was there and George, George is on the set every day. And if you have that that kind of power on the set every day, you can get shit done. Yeah. S- speaking of George being there every day, I had a question. Did he in terms of the action sequences, fight scenes in particular, how much freedom did he give you, or did he have the beats in his head? <laughs> oh, totally. He he was brilliant with it because he. Uh, that's what I say about them booking the right people. Okay. And, um, it's hard for him to give up stuff because he, you know, he's over it all. And of course, when we did Phantom Menace, that that Darth Maul fight. That's the. I had that fight. Anyway, I, I had most of that fight anyway. Not for something else, but just for something that I was thinking about. And, and the, uh, the desert or the final fight? The Duel of Fates or the, the desert fight? The, the Obi-Maul part of the Obi-Maul okay. fight on. All right. Okay. But that was a much more elaborate thing that you've never seen, involving a lot of wire work. Ooh. Um, which we shot. And we shot as a test, and we shot, we got Ray in, who at the time was just a local gymnast. And we were trying to sell Ray to George. So we shot that fight for a couple of days and then took it to George and he passed it. And once he passed it, that's it. Then he just left me alone. He just told me the times. So, I mean, you would get the script and be like, fight. And he'd be like, all right, Nick, you, you figure it out. You have this, this, this many minutes. Yeah. Wow. yeah. It, it would say, well, it would say, it would be a very brief description, and then he would just tell me the time. Yeah, because you guys, I'm trying to think, you really didn't have previs for stunts as it's used today back then, where you could... Actually, we did. Actually, we did. Okay. I shot it. We, we, I shot it on my little camera, and then I'd cut it on my computer. I've got them all. I've got... All of those. I've oh, got boy. all the fights that you've never seen. I've got okay, you got to release like a special, special hit. Well, you know. I've got the Obi versus six bodyguards all the way through. I've oh. got, I've oh, got no. the Mace double fight. The, the, the fight with Mace and the double, you know, because we had to use Ian on the day. Ian didn't right. even know the fight on the day. Right. And we had to get through that fight. I've got, um, oh, I've got stuff you wouldn't believe. Well, yeah, it may, maybe off air, you know, he'll, 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 he'll yeah. send us some clips and we'll describe yeah. them to you. We'll, Star we'll Wars a, Time we'll Show Nation. Hey, would Lucasfilm uh, come and cart you away if those things made it out into the light of day? Well, I don't think so. No, they, well, yeah. they'd have to be, uh, there would have to be a few of them come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think one exec can take you on his own for sure. Well, you, you brought it up. I have a, a couple. I don't want to do too many fanboy questions, but I do have one because you brought it up. Now, do you believe that Mace Windu actually beat Palpatine or was Palpatine kind of playing loose to trick him into a false sense of uh, relaxation? Yes, I mean, yes, he was. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough call because I know there's big debate online about who's who in the rankings. <laughs> uh, but at that time, 
um, with the information available at that time, yes, Palpatine, as much as I love Sam, and Sam to me is second only to Yoda, um, Palpatine would have creamed him. Yeah, <laughs> look at that. Here we go. Yeah, go. Every time. He has to. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right, while we're do- I'll, I'll give you one more. Well, I've, I've a couple more fanboys, but while we're while we're on it, who was the better oh, sword oh, fighter, oh. Obi Wan or Anakin? At what point? Uh, Revenge the, of the at Sith. The yeah, yeah at, at the end of the Clone War. So Revenge of the Sith. It's so close. I mean, it has to be Anakin. Okay. It, I mean, it has to be Anakin, and the reason how I did it, and I've said it before is it's a bit like um, gaining enlightenment, you know, going up through the levels. And um, a bit like a yogi in India might stand on his head for 10 years to gain enlightenment. But if he, you know, if he took drop to acid, he might see the same thing. <laughs> yeah. But it's, but it, you know, that's not good and it's not going to work, you know. But, so, but it makes him potentially far more dangerous. And that's how I played Anakin Vader at that point, that he's like a junkie. And he's had all the training, and then he's taken a drug. And so potentially he's far more dangerous than at that point. I love that explanation. I love it. So he cheated his way in. And uh, and this is what's key with the fights, I, I think, with fights. And particularly these fights, they have to be character driven. Even if there's not much character in the script, you've got to dig it out, you know, and, and find it and talk to the actor, see what they feel about their part and their character. And, and so in that fight, that's where, to me, that's where I put him. I put, I put him, he'd just done some heroin and he went at it. That is, that's an awesome way to spin it. And I, I completely see what you're saying because, you know, technically he should have been, better than Obi, but because he was a little whacked out on some H, like you're saying, he he couldn't focus his his full potential, right? Oh a, his full potential is bubbling out of it. Yeah. And and that's fucking dangerous shit. Yeah. And, you know, because in those kind of fights it's not um those you know, it's like a pro pro boxer. They don't get excited in there. You know, they just <laughs> knock them down and wait wait for the moment. And right. That's but that's what Obi did all the way, all the way through there. We also had a very different end to that end. Oh, please and, tell us, because I, I was going to ask you about the high ground. Did you have input on that? Yeah. I mean, is that? Uh, you know, I love George Lucas. Don't get me wrong. I, I absolutely adore the man, but it, that's wrong. You know, you got that wrong. We campaigned all six of us, all the actors, all the doubles. We kept <laughs> showing him this end, and he was like, "No, he was adamant." I don't know. Why? But he was adamant. We have one where there was no jump. They they hadn't they hadn't come across that lava. They they'd gone round the edge. That that changed very quickly. That's another thing is things change when you're shooting. Right. Over, you know, you might have to dump a scene overnight and come up with something new. This is that day that happened. So we had had them on that bank anyway, and we had Anakin had got him by the throat. He was holding him by the throat. Oh, it, yes. Like, he knocked his sword away, so Obi's sword was on the floor. And, he's, and he says, you know, I'm sorry, my master, it has to be this way. And Obi 
sucked as as Anakin goes like that to chop his head off. Anakin, uh, Obi sucked his lightsaber, but like that, so he he caught it, pulled and swung in in one move. But the the catch and the drag went through Anakin's arms. Ah, okay. And through his legs. Oh. And we dropped the torso off the body. Oh my gosh! Yes. <laughs> So that as, is. So Obi was as almost as surprised. You know the move. I can't show you it. Actually, I can. I stand by. Oh man, there you go. Well, he he sucks it, so he cuts through his arms there, right, and then bang through his legs there. That's am- that's it's amazing. Beautiful. Well. I uh, you know, we we love George Lucas too, but I I think I like your your scene a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> what happened that day? Suddenly they were on a droid going across a, a volcano lava. We we didn't know why. That fight that they did going across the thing happened three minutes before they did it. Oh jeez, wow. man! Do you think? I mean, now hearing this because I don't think I'd ever heard that before. I mean, do you think that George was just like it needs to be more focused on like the hubris, Anakin's hubris, instead of just like a pure skill to skill battle or something like that? No, I don't. I, I, who knows? I think somebody said, "Hey, this would be cool," and George liked it, and that's how it happened. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> oh, man. Someone drew a picture, like, "Look, we can make these little robots flow in the lava," and he's like, "Okay." <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying it was ILM, but it might have been. Yeah. Now, now uh, when that happens, Nick, do you, do you guys show up and you are you all just like defeated? You know, you, you know, you got to do what George wants, but are you all like, oh? No, that D- happens every day in the film yeah. business. Okay. You get used to it. You know, you can. There, I told you the fight with Grie- uh, Grievous's bodyguards, which is a beautiful thing. We we did for three weeks. You know, we rehearsed it for three weeks and uh, an impossible fight. And it got cancelled on the day. <laughs> yeah. And, and now all you get is a, a pinch, a fall, and then the fight's over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember going in that day and we were all excited because, you know, the, like the, the crew obviously loved to see it as well. It lifts the crew when you do it. And he went, I'm so, I'm so sorry. We have, we just no time. He is the maker after all, I guess. But, he, uh, that's it. Listen, none of us, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. That is, that is true. That is true. You know, I, hate, I hate it when you hear the people slagging off, slagging or have their own opinion on his universe. It's his universe. Right. Yeah. yeah he exactly. he still cooked it all up in his own head. So while we might not agree with some of it, you know, he it's it's amazing what that man has has it thought up and created. Sense. Like think think about all the jobs he's created over the years. Oh, I mean, even, even these days, he doesn't own it, but he's still providing work for people. Yeah, not just that. The way he, you know, the way he improved everything. The yeah. Industrial light and magic and THX sound and. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was all about improving it all. Yeah. So, so like Star Ewan, are, sorry, Nick, like, like no, Ewan, the Star Wars prequels really just made the next 15 years of like special effects filmmaking, like prior to 99, like special effects, visual effects that they almost didn't exist in that way. So it is incredible to see how long lasting his effect has been. 
Yeah, and you think, you know, who worked, John Knoll, who works uh, at ILM, invented Adobe Photoshop. You know, you want that guy on your team. Yeah, of course. Um, Ewan has recently came out and said, like, hey, you know, doing the prequels, it wasn't the easiest for us actors because of all the blue and green screen. So he's real jazzed to be working in the, I don't know if you've followed up on some of the new Disney Star Wars stuff with the volume, you know, shooting with those huge LED panels. Uh, is that something as a stunt coordinator, someone that kind of cooks up fight scenes, is that something you'd also like to to, to take a spin at to, to work with that type of technology? Well, I I do. I have continued to work, <laughs> believe it or not. I was actually working with that the other day, an AR wall, you mean. Okay. Got you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we would do it. They do it a lot now with cars, you know, rather than rather than have your actors doing drive-bys. They just do a week of AR wall and you just wheel different cars in and out. You can now dial in backgrounds on your computer. Yeah. You can buy a background. and well, well, I'm glad that it sounds like other studios are using the tech because it sounded like Disney was trying to uh, proprietize uh, it by calling it the volume and this, that, and the yeah. other thing and, and yeah, trying to lock Disney up the tech. It, yeah, they made it seem like they were the only ones that were doing this kind of work. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, I was just doing a CBS thing and they've got it. Okay. Yeah, you've you've yeah, no, you've been doing a lot of TV got, these days, right? Uh, do you know? I love it. I went I went straight back to it after Star Wars. When you, it's a strange thing. You start in television and then you work your way up to movies, or that's the way you would think it happens. Um, it's not much fun there anymore in movies, and it was starting back then. The scripts aren't great. You know, it's it's a different world. Movies. The good scripts are in television, and um, so I went back there, and I could not be happier. The interesting thing is that since I went back there, television has sort of been where everybody's going now yeah. because that looks like the future. Yeah, well, it uh, seems that they're, they're investing in TV series now like they used to for big-budget productions. I mean, the, I think Mandalorian, each season, they're dumping $100 million into eight episodes or whatever. I mean, that, that's a ridiculous budget for, for TV. Right, and I'm I, sure the stuff you're on, too, because I know you, you did some Black Mirror on Netflix, which is a... It's not a huge thing, but I, I can't tell you the CBS thing I've just been doing because they're oh. very <laughs> Oh, that was $22 million an episode. Wow! <laughs> Ten episodes. That's a two hundred and twenty million dollar movie. You're talking right. about. And two two million of that was your salary, right? I, I you'd be surprised. <laughs> what, like, you know, I am fabulously wealthy, obviously, but I, you'd be surprised <laughs> what I actually get paid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I know, I know you guys like you, the stunt guys. At least my buddy, he's coordinated a few times, done a little second unit. But the, the money is seems to be like at least the recurring stuff. The residuals is always a nice benefit, and you all, you all get. And then you know if you light yourself on fire, that's some extra money. Or did, would you would you get extra for doing uh, sword fights? Did that count as like an extra bump in stunt pay? No. Yeah, I didn't no, know. Uh, it's when it bega- when it's above and beyond. You know. Hit, hit the ground that should be free that's your daily yeah fee. but you know you crash a car you go on fire yeah you jump off a building it's it's called a, a bump <laughs> well yeah you're getting bumped pretty hard with those yeah um i got one more fanboy and then i'm gonna get into some of the nuts and bolts of what you're working on but did you 
did you appreciate getting picked to play an actual Jedi, Sindralig? You were, I mean, you're, you're in Revenge of the Sith. You're in the video game. I think your character was even in Clone Wars. Was that something you lobbied for? Or were they just like, hey, Nick, we need we need you to throw in a Jedi costume today? No, no, I don't want to get in a costume. Of course I don't. Um, they offered me Darth Maul in the beginning. Really? Yeah. Well, it, that's a lot of makeup, so you're like, screw that. I'm not, I'm not putting that makeup on. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, at the time, it looked like a bit part. I didn't want to do it. Got it. it was, uh, <laughs> I couldn't. You can't do it. You know, you, you're too busy as a stunt coordinator. Yeah. Um, Dralik, um no, I don't know what it was. He, he wanted me to play a part, and he asked me if I would play that part. And... I said oh, I didn't have time, and, but he, <laughs> I, it's uh, not. I, I don't mean it. Um, I don't mean it in a grand way, but it's you're so busy when you're stunt coordinating. You know, ninety percent of what I do, you ne- you never see it. Right. Risk assessments take mm-hmm. days. You know. Um, so I said I didn't have time, but he really wanted me to do it. So I said, if I can pick my own name, I'll do it, and he let me do that. So that's why I did it. Nice. So that was quite gone's wig I was wearing. Oh, really? See, there you go. There's a nice little Easter egg. Yeah, I have a graphic up on the live stream for people to see. But I mean, he did make it into the the animated universe. But uh, those of you that watch Revenge of the Sith, you can see Sin kind of getting taken out by Vader in one of the Hollow recordings. How'd you come up with the name? It's my name backwards. Yep, I was going to oh, say there, there's a secret to that. Nick. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the, just... the reason it was a hologram was because we made it too violent. That... Oh, wow. Ah. Oh, so you're the reason for the PG-13. It was your scene. You were in there chopping, or he, Vader was that chopping people in half? He stabbed that girl right through the throat. Oh, oh man. <laughs> man. That would have been legit. Yeah, I mean, I know they at the time they made a big deal. Like, oh, this is going to be the first PG-13 Star Wars movie uh, but these days you look at it and it's it's still kind of PG, I would say, in terms of the, the violence portrayed. So, uh, you know, maybe these days, if you, you know, you repitch the, the remake, you could get some of those the 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 edited ending in there and, the, you know, a couple throat stabs. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. They, they've made Star Wars violent. I mean, I, I, I'm speaking this is my own opinion, but the Mandalorian, I believe, has has amped up the, the violence a little bit in the action. Uh, but it's still, you know, it's it's still kind of kid friendly. All right, Cinderella, good stuff. So, Nick, do you have in your head right now, you know, kind of putting you on the spot, a a favorite action scene from the prequels that you kind of coordinated? Like, like what's the one that to this day you're like, you know what, that was some good freaking work right there. Oh yeah, the one you never saw. <laughs> <laughs> I liked. Um... Yeah, there's a couple I liked. I liked Obi on that water planet when he fought um, Boba Fett, Django Fett, as he yeah. was then. Yeah, got uh, you. Yeah, I, that it, it didn't come out as good as it could have, but that was a. I enjoyed that fight because it was sort of different. It wasn't lightsabers, mm-hmm. and I really liked. Um, against Grievous bodyguards on the bridge when they go in on the bridge. And he, I can't remember the scene, but there's Obi and Anakin and they fight three bodyguards on the bridge of a ship. 
which were three of my guys. And I know one of the droids loses his arms at, at one oh, point. Oh, yeah, that was the uh, in the beginning of episode three on Grievous's, uh, yeah. Yeah, when they're the rescuing Palpatine, I think. Yep. yep. It doesn't look much on there, but um, I've got, like when we rehearsed it, I've got my footage of it, where, of my guys doing it on that ship. It was one of the few sets we ever got on to rehearse, so we made the most of it. But it's my guys all in their own clothes because we were, I think we were playing football and we suddenly got the opportunity, <laughs> so we sat in there to do it. And, um, yeah, to see those guys, how far they'd come at that point with that, that style of fighting, because we invented that fighting, you know, sort of as we went. And um, it's a beautiful thing. You know, there's one of them fighting with one arm. And he's still superb, you know. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Not the things probably that you would like. Did, did you give that form of fighting a name? Like, did you create a style for that type of fighting or just no, like... let's have a competition. All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll, there you I go. He, he's, he's laid down the gauntlet. Let, let, let's name yeah, a new, that's, new, that's, new form of fighting. Yeah. Not, not like uh, Krav Maga. Something like that, though, you know? Yeah. Got it. So in the, in the prequels, if you look at the other two kind of trilogies aside like in terms of fighting prequels have like a lot of spins in terms of like movement of not only the person but the lightsaber spins and stuff like that is that just like something that you would call like a personal style of of yours or is that something that you felt fit uniquely with like jedi at that time or something you know what it is it's about continuous movement and i you know i know it gets a lot of flack for twirling or dancing or whatever they call it. Funny, isn't it? They never, they never seem to be worried about a dog flying at the speed of light. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it's, about, it's, about the speed of, it's about continued movement. So with a lightsaber, you don't need to put any force into it because it will just cut through. You know, so if, if I'm attacking you, I'm moving there. Why would I suddenly stop and come backwards? You know, I want to move the saw around, turn through it, keep the whole keep the whole thing going the whole time. That way, there's no stopping and and starting, which I hate because you know you lose all the momentum and the acceleration. And and it's the same with the body. I actually teach their feet if, long before we do arms. It's all about where you put your feet. Uh, I use the analogy of you watch a pro tennis player. You don't see them running across the court and whacking a ball as they, as, you know, on the run. They get there, stand and hit it. And it's the same thing. It's the same in any sport like that. You want to, the movement should be continuous. So it's not about unnecessary twirling. It can look that way. I occasionally look online and, you know, see people slagging off something or, or other. And they've entirely missed the point, you know, I saw one the other day where they were talking about a fame that we did in the Qui-Gon um, Obi-Wan Maul fight. There's one where um, I think it's Obi feigns him like that. Yeah, right, yep. Someone was saying it was a, point, a pointless move. It's a fucking fame. Right? A fame is one of the best moves in sword fighting. Mm-hmm. There were two great kendo guys one time fighting, two masters. And as they were stood like that, one of them just feigned the other one. And the second guy put his sword down and walked away, you know, because because he moved. <laughs> That's those little things. They they're all important. There isn't an unnecessary twirl in there. That bit where they go toe to toe with their sabers, you know, that gets really yeah. flagged off. That that whole scene 
is in fact that entire fight in miniature. Right? It's about that one taught the other. They're almost equal. They can't get through. And, yeah. and they're reading each other's move before it even happens. It has to be there. It's a bit That's, like yeah. a chess master. It has to be that move or you've made a mistake. And so that's what that's about. And, and that's why that's important. Yeah, it might look stupid, but it's important. Well, I'm glad I, to hear you I, I needed that, that clarity because I'm, I'm yeah. probably one of those jerk offs that have, have said something about the, that, that twirling moment there. But now it makes complete sense because you're yeah, saying no. if, if one did not twirl, the other one would, would automatically have the opening to just slash them in half. They know where it's coming. Yeah. You know, that was the beauty of it. And, uh, I, at the end of it, I had that where they actually plunged their lightsabers into each other. Mm-hmm. And the lightsabers went right the way in and then bang! You know, there was some kind of force explosion. Um, but yeah, I, I loved that. I, you know, I get it. I, I get if I didn't know nothing about it and I watched it, it might trouble me, but it, it's important. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that because... I'm one of the people who really enjoyed that fight. And like, even cause I was only, I was a kid when I saw it, I was 16 years old. So aside from like the, just the visual feast that that fight was at the end, I think you did an incredible job of showing exactly what you just vocalized that these two are essentially chess masters and they're playing this game in that like they mirror each other so closely that any misstep could just be the end of it. So I really like I appreciated that through and through. And there would be days. I mean, this is just me being a fan. There would be days where I would just put in the episode three DVD, skip right to that chapter and just watch that fight four or five times over because it was that powerful to me. Yeah, it's nothing you can do. You're always going to get in knockers, you know, and there's nothing you can do about it. As long as as long as more people get it than don't get it. Well, that's all you can I, I get it now, so I thank you, and I will I will stop ever saying anything nasty <laughs> about that particular moment. I've been yeah. educated. I'm no longer a an idiot, so thank you, because <laughs> I am a big idiot. And trust me, I have plenty of people that watch this show that tell me I'm a big idiot and need to shut up, so <laughs> it's all good. Um, you know, we've been talking about uh, Hayden and Ewan. Which actor, well, I guess any of the ones you worked with, in, in particular with the sword fights, which one do you feel was the most natural at picking up your your tutelage? Uh, it, well, it would have to be one of the boys. Uh, well, both of them. But both of them in completely different um, directions, strangely. Like, Ewan, look, I'm wearing a Ewan hat at the moment. Can you see? Oh yeah, the, uh, his, uh, his show, his his motorcycle show. Um, I, like I've known you in a long time. I knew you you and actually when he was an extra. When I first met him. He was an extra on a movie. Lovely guy, even back then. And he's just, even though he's not trained at anything at all, really. You and he's just one of those people that can do everything, whatever it is. You know, he just get on any motorbike and ride it. And, pick up a tennis racket and smack it. He's just natural. And he's got phenomenal balance. When most people will fall, I've seen him at angles, you know, that are impossible to recover from, and, he's, and he still gets back from it. He's uh, fearless. So for that side of it, he's like, um, like a street fighter. And uh, Hayden is an utter athlete. 
Okay. Hayden will destroy you at any sport, any sport at all, and he'll take it so seriously. You know, <laughs> he, he, he can't lose. It's, you know, it's, it was beyond him to lose if he's playing you at any sport, whatever. Even if that sport is fight water bomb fighting, he's going to win. <laughs> seriously, but he is a, a fearless athlete, Hayden. And so them two together, what you know, what a what a thing to see. You you see it when we shoot it. You do three takes. You never do any more than that. That's pretty we good. See that, like I see that fight every day for six weeks in my rehearsal room, and um, so obviously I've seen it better than it's been filmed many times. And the thing is, you hear it sometimes. I'm on my computer, and they would be rehearsing. And you can hear when that fight was right. The, the yeah, tap, tap, when tap, tap. Really right. You get this this rhythm thing happening, and you and and you can't deny it. You're like, oh my god, that's on it now. You know, you're in the, in the saber play. song. Yeah, saber song. Yeah. But we, we actually on the stream we from your site we have an image of you I'm guessing in your your choreograph your uh, choreography room and it it looks like you have a bunch of tape placement down is that for them to follow lines for the fight that's the sets right because because you don't get the sets oh so that's we, like you're just blocking stuff out for them essentially with tape we, yeah. we move at such a pace they <laughs> you, you take like the whole studios and then there might be seven stages sound stages. And they, you start in one and you film through it for like two or three days and they, they bulldoze that out behind you and build another one and you go round the studio like that. So you only get the set the day before you get on it. And so we never, we get the drawings from the art department and we mark all the sets out on the floor so that they can go through the door at the right time, you know, or down a corridor or sometimes you have to add a little bit because you're short on the day. <laughs> we have little three move sections that it might get us to a door. Oh, so there's a, there's some ad libs in some of the fights we're seeing is what you're saying. Yeah. There, there, there'll always be a little extra piece if they, especially Got if it. they come from one room to another, something will have been added. So, uh, I'm guessing the Mace Windu, uh, Palpatine fight had a lot of those then because they they move through what I think it's almost three or four rooms or no they go actually not they go through uh they go down a corridor and into one big room oh yeah yeah the worst one obviously was the end fight they went through they went quarter of a mile I think yeah how long did the did the final duel take you to to coordinate just just from start to finish like all right i got it in my head guys let's go rehearse it um it took we we didn't have that much time we didn't have as much time as attack because ewan was doing um some tim burton movie oh is that real big, big fish, fish or big fish yeah. i think big fish big oh yeah it was that wasn't it um and he never got to us. He got to us with three weeks to go. So that's how long it took, three weeks. Wow. And it shows. I mean, it is an impressive piece of, of, of stunt choreography. Uh, is it still, do you call that fight fight choreography or sword choreography? Is there a difference? 
God fight. There was a good beginning on that 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 didn't happen. We we had, you know, when uh, Padme comes out, yeah, and he's proper angry. There. Oh no, Obi comes out. That's it. Mm-hmm. And he thinks they've been having a thing. And I, I we had him do it by the throat. I think we had it remote. Yeah. So he just did the thing. She goes like that. Obi's shouting, and we. He lifts her up, he throws her against the spaceship. So we <laughs> jerked her, smacked her into the spaceship and dropped her on her face. And then he attacked her. <laughs> Man, I wish, I, I wish George let you guys kind of get some of your Where's visions the, out there. No, I think what you need is the voice of reason and George is that. <laughs> I don't know. If we have left to our own devices, that would have been... Blood. R-rated Star this, Wars, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we need a we need a Gallard cut of, of these yeah, there Star you go. Wars movies, right? <laughs> yeah, let's let's get I've call got, up I've McCallum. Let's get let's get it going here. The Gallard cut, rated R. I love it. I love it. Dralic, yeah, Dralic cut. Yes. Oh man. So I mean, obviously, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. But were there any uh, actors that were kind of a a, a challenge to work with? <laughs> <laughs> you know what let me think no you no. know what i would tell you as well yeah i know i know you would i mean a challenge in learning sword fighting ian mcdermott and he'd be the first to admit it yeah he just couldn't you know it was he's the only person i've never been able to teach how much uh did you do with christopher lee before the the double would oh. come in what a Fantastic guy. Um, we he did a great deal of it, but you know he, he was getting on a bit then. Oh yeah. He also, he also <laughs> was. Here's a funny story actually. That on um, attack, I think it was he. He came to rehearsal, and he I knew him from another movie, and he he but he slid a letter across my desk from his doctor. That said, this man um, is has a blood condition. He's taking Wolverine, which you know thins your blood, rat poison, and he shouldn't lift his elbows higher than his shoulders. <laughs> I'm Uh-oh. reading that. Uh, that that ruins that whole fight. <laughs> oh no! I remember taking that letter to Rick McCallum, and I slid <laughs> it across his desk. He didn't touch it, right? He read it like that, upside down, and he went. Well, uh, he gave it to you, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you deal with it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, so he did a great deal of it, and then we we did have a fantastic double called Kyle Rowling, who always works with me, and um, who did a, an amazing job. Yeah, I think that that probably would have been one of the first times in all of filmmaking that they tried that digital face face, face transplant face. sort of thing going on there. Yeah, uh, it's so normal now. Yeah, I mean, they build entire humans out of uh, CG now. <laughs> I just, I just love that Christopher Lee came to the set with a doctor's excuse. That is fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> like, kid. yeah I, I, I don't have to perform in gym class today. My doctor said so. That's fantastic. <laughs> he still did though. He, you know, he still did it. Yeah, because there, there's some close-ups. I believe I remember him getting his elbows up a little bit. Yeah, his elbows did go over his shoulders. <laughs> so yeah. you guys almost killed Christopher Lee by by getting him to do some. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Fantastic. Uh, I, I heard you, you mentioned Yoda. Uh, you know, obviously he was CG for the fight scenes. So did you did you have input in the Yoda fight scenes at all? Or did you work with the ILM people or, or did they have fun with that? We, it, he wasn't supposed to be in there again until the day we, that we shot it. <laughs> I love the planning here. I love it. I'm, I'm you guys walk in like, surprise, <laughs> this is what we're doing today. <laughs> yeah. We just used to turn up and make it up as we went along. <laughs> no, it was just a fight originally, I think, with um, Hayden and Duca. I, I don't think anyone else was in it. And that was a good fight. It, uh, I think Obi might have come in at some point. I don't. I can't remember. But it very rapidly changed because on the day of shooting it, George said he wanted Yoda in there. It was funny. <laughs> I, like I got on all right with George, but I was dumbfounded. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> we were standing on the set at the time, ready to go, and I and he said it, and I said, "Let me just." make sure I understand this. <laughs> right. uh, this is going to happen. And then that blast door is going to open and there is a three-foot frog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so we did that on the day. Uh, ILM, all we did was, ILM told us where Yoda would be jumping to. Okay. And we match we did a fight the dooku part of it and they very very cleverly um match those moves so when that happens nick when it's literally just see to your pants type of stuff i mean does he give you an hour two hours to kind of spitball that or you yeah, just talking no i mean you're at, you're playing in the premier league when you're at that level and so you just, you just you know, roll with you, it. You don't get a quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, you know, suddenly can't throw a ball. You've got you've got to get on it quick and make it happen. And yeah, the it, thing is, often, it's a strange thing, at the, at the highest level, you often end up winging it. And winging it isn't a great thing to do, but if you're good at your job, you get good at winging it. You know, that's part of growing up through the business. And so... That's where you often end up, and so you you know you you better be ready for it. Well, yeah, I mean you're you're working with other creatives, so I mean you, I guess you gotta you, you gotta have that skill as well. I mean yours is more in the the physical aspect of filmmaking, but you're still cooking up something that you think in your imagination would look pretty radical on it, screen and camera. Funny, yeah, it's a funny thing. It's uh, again, I can't tell you about this job I'm doing, but. Um, this reshoot. We won't tell. We're doing it in a couple of weeks and it's a proper reshoot. I've looked at it and it's shocking, the thing that they've got. And I just emailed them and said, look, I'm going to completely replace it just so you know, you know, and that will involve a week's rehearsal of 20 people rehearsing. Cash money. Well, it's not, you know, you, you don't start out doing it for the money the money's great no i'm saying that they're they're gonna have to pony up cash money for the reshoots yeah yeah they are gonna have to pony up but um but we'll get there and even they marvel won't know what's going on until they grasp it you know so it's often that way i can't wait to find out what this is no it's only a reshoot i'm not involved in the whole thing I, I'm going to ask around. I'm going to ask around. Like I said, I got an MCU well, I, guy in there. Yeah, 
I won't have the credit for on IMDb. Oh man! Oh really? You don't? They won't give you a credit for reshoot? No, you can. You can not have a credit. Got you. Got you. Okay. I see what you're saying. As long right. as you have the credit in your bank account, that's all you care about. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the feeling of getting a good, good, good yeah, job out there. A, getting a, yeah, a good, doing a good job. Yeah. So is this going to be your first foray into the, the Marvel universe, or have you dabbled in that before? No, I haven't. I, as you know, I've been doing telly, and, uh, and that, I'm happy doing television. But this is, uh, this is uh, the producer is a friend of mine, and he's in trouble, and so that's why I'm... I'm going there. Well, I'm not saying I'm never going to go back, but I'm very happy where I am at the moment. Well, it just you're probably at a point in your career where you can be picky and choosy of what you want to do, right? I mean, you, you want to do what you want to do. If it, I do want to do what I want to do, yeah, I want to be in control of it. And um, on big movies, you, you have to give a lot away. And um, you know, I like to be sort of at the rock face and. That's where I am now. So would you, you Nick, at this point, are you, do you like getting second unit type of jobs more than the stunt work or do you still second unit and stunt coordinate at the same time? Because I know sometimes the second unit is sort of a a stunt person or that seems how it's been. Yeah, you do it anyway. You know, I did it. I did most of it on um, Phantom Menace. I shot most of those, most of that end fight I shot. Um, I'm not bothered. I like being a stunt coordinator. Uh, I, I'm not bothered about directing. It's a huge drop in salary, and I'd have to be there every day. Yeah, yeah. It just, it just seems like a lot of stunt coordinators. That's kind of the the trajectory they go on: stunt coordinate, second unit, then to direct. But like you said, it's it's a whole different game being a director versus just running a a department and, and being one piece of the you know, puzzle. Well, it's it's more than that. It's you know, even if you're a director now on a big movie, there are thirty eight people more important than you are right. that can tell you how to direct it. And one of the good things with being a sort of established stunt coordinator is that doesn't happen. You know, people don't tell you how to do your job; they they let you do it. And so to give up to lose that would I would struggle with. All right. Well, we're, we're coming up on our hour. I don't want to keep Mr. Gallard too late. He is over in the UK. You know, he might want to relax a little bit before he goes to bed. But I got I got two more questions. We'll see where they go. So in terms of the prequel, Nick, is there one of the films that you are most proud of overall? Is it Phantom Menace, your favorite? Or do you feel yeah, like from yeah. a... Yeah, Phantom. Yeah. What was... What was it like working with Ray? I mean, obviously he had the the skills. What was did did you have to kind of get him caught up on how to do that stuff uh, for making a movie? Ray was a very different person back then. You know, he was a young lad that um, had been working. He'd been working with a friend of mine on Mortal Kombat as a gymnast, and it was my friend that I recommend. I was looking for mostly for a gymnast. And uh, so Ray came along, he was perfect, you know, absolutely perfect. He could do wushu, he was great with, he did this little routine with the paper sword that was perfect, he looked the part. But then he was an incredibly shy young man. Um, 
not much travelled. He, I used to smoke cigarettes back then, and um, I'd make him go and get me a cigarette because he would bring it in a piece of tissue paper because he didn't want to touch it. <laughs> 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 That's awesome. And, and you know, he talked like that. He was really quiet. <laughs> and, uh, he did a fantastic job, but he was he was on our team. He was part of the stunt team, and. Um, yeah, he. I tried to warn him. You know, I said to him, "Get ready because you're going to be on cornflakes packets." And yeah, I don't think he really grasped it. And so when it came, it, it was it came big for him. And uh, I don't know. I think he's doing all right. He lives in America now. Mm-hmm. I think he's done well for himself. But he's it, changed a lot. He was this lovely, quiet, um, clean living young man, and. I hope, you know, I hope he's still that. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I, I think he he became a little more extroverted after all that went down because yeah. in these days yeah. he, he MCs some of the Star Wars celebration panels. He's out there jumping around mm-hmm. doing his routine. And, you know, we, we, we know you. or don't know what happened last year on social media. So, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, but he did get, get to come back. back to Star Wars a bit. You know? <laughs> That's People like to point that out. They're like, man, he, he looks a little heavier when he did the stunts in the Clone Wars recently. <laughs> not, not, not as felt, but hey. Felt was a look. There you go. He stays in shape. Very in shape. Yeah. All right. Last one here. And, and this is like kind of, you know, future looking here. But have you seen or paid attention to any of the, the new Disney Star Wars stuff? Well, I, you know, I don't have social media and any of it. So I, I don't spend a lot of time on the Internet. And I have seen bits and pieces. I saw The Force Awakens. I saw it on an airplane, so I didn't see it too well and i've seen um right is it ryan johnson that yeah the last, last jedi. jedi yeah uh who am i to say you know as you, as we've said all the way through this you're winging it a lot of the time you know mm-hmm. it, things change on the day i would say with what they had available to them at the time they did all right. It's a, it's a different world to the one I was in. I had ultimate, you know, I could do whatever the hell I wanted. Right. And they might not have been able to do that. Um, and I've seen enough people slag off my own fights to not slag off their fights. Did, did you feel like they paid yeah. any sort I, of homage to your like, work? Um, yeah, I, I, I think they've gone down that path. I, I think they missed it by a, a country mile. Because they didn't character base it, you know, right. they just went. I think they. I know the guys that do it. Do you know what I mean? I know the guys that are doing it now with Ewan, and it, they're just it's moves. You know, it's just flash moves, and you need for those kind of actors. They're too big, and you need to get character driven. Fair enough. If it's that nothing part, you know, that doesn't matter, then it can be a flashy move, but. <laughs> If it's Samuel L. motherfucking Jackson, it, it better be right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's because there's just like too much control from the top down now? Um, I, possibly that. I don't know because I, I'm not in that situation. I'm about to head into it and it does look that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's more um, just maturity. I don't want to slag it off because I don't know what problems they had. But um, 
I think it's maturity and confidence and belief, you know, that you know what you're doing better than that exec does. The better than that exec is telling you. And so you better argue him or her down, uh, you know, and you better be able to do that. You really hit on to something that J.J. Abrams himself kind of came out and admitted a month or two ago in an interview. He's like, listen, sometimes you need to have a plan from start to finish. And we probably should have had a plan for the, the sequel trilogy. And not right, right. and not share yeah. writers and directors and all this other stuff. Yeah. So I, I think you're 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 spot on there. Yeah. Um, sticking with the new stuff, I mean, I, are you familiar with with the character of like Ahsoka Tano from the Clone Wars era, or do you know any of the new characters like Ray or Kylo or? No. No. Okay. Well, we had a fan question I was going to ask just to well, let the yeah, fans get. Well, they they wanted real. to know if you could create a fight for any of the characters introduced after your time in Star Wars. Uh, so, so like Ray, Kylo, Ahsoka. I would love. Do you know what? I, I mean, I did see that, and I would love to have done Kylo. Somebody needed to get hold of the actor, right? They the actor got away with it, and mm. somebody needed to get hold of him and explain to him why. It needed to be this way or that way because he was dragging that thing around like, yeah, like it's yeah. like a sledgehammer, that, right? It was like that a, was one yeah, of the huge criticisms. Not, it's not his fault. It, it, they, I think, I think he's a probably a like, you know, I think he's quite a character. That guy, I don't know him, but I would imagine he would argue his corner. But um, you know, somebody needs to get hold of him and explain to him why and what a lightsaber is and why, yeah. why you, why you. Yeah, I think most fans would would agree with you there. That was one of the huge criticisms. Is it, it was in comparison to what you did, where everything was light and fluid. The new ones did seem a little heavier, a little yeah. slower. You lost the pace. It's like they're um, swinging battle axes at each other. Yeah, no, it's, it almost seemed like medieval fighting in <laughs> a way. Heavy. <laughs> yeah, it's literally a blade of light. It's yeah. in the name. <laughs> I would love to see what you could do with characters like that. Okay. It, the weapon is a character as well, you know. Yeah. Well, Mr. Gillard, I could sit here and, and just listen to stories from you the rest of the day, but I, I hear those seagulls, so I'm assuming you're close to a beach. You probably want to go out there, maybe have a have a beer, get ready for bedtime. So. Yeah, there's, one, there's one out there, and it's got a chick on my roof. Got it's you. only a chick. And the bloody thing, it's been there about a week. It can't. It's going to be there for about another two weeks before it fledges. But the mother is on my roof, and she will not let me go out there. Every time. <laughs> yeah, you got like a seagull shit flying at you every time you walk out of your door. Yeah. Shut on the last two days. <laughs> oh, no. Well, maybe we'll let you go deal with that, but um, I, I sincerely appreciate your time. This was fantastic. It was a great chatting with you. I think we learned a lot. I think we, we, we heard some stories that people haven't heard before, so we appreciate those uh, those, those recaps you gave us. Um, I'll definitely be looking forward to the, the MCU trying to figure out if we can figure out what, yeah. what Nick fixed. Yeah. I might have to ask around there, but Hey, um, appreciate your time. This was awesome. You are a, a star Wars legend. You're a legend in the stunt game. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for making it easy. You know, I don't do many of these. But, uh, we know um, we, we are very appreciative that you, you decided to, to help us yeah, out here. If they were all like this, I would do more. Well, thank you very much. All right. That's Nick Gillard for you. Stunt coordinator extraordinaire. See you later.
Take care. Bye, boys. Bye, bye. Booyah! Man, that was fantastic, wasn't it? That's how you do it, people. <laughs> Hold on, what are we looking at here? Let me, let me, let's get our our screen uh, fixed here. Ah, oh, man, that was just fucking great, right? Yeah. I always like, I always like to kind of celebrate an interview like that once we're done. But that was better than I could even imagine. I, I feel like Nick, he genuinely enjoyed talking with us and that's fucking kick ass so there you go all you main dude haters see people like me <laughs> no he really did he I, I mean again kudos to spa spa spooey out there spencer he's the one that kind of whittled mr gillard down and got him on the show so uh definitely want to give <clears throat> give a shit Oh, I'm dying here, Spencer. <laughs> give a shout out to Spencer. Yeah, give, yeah. give a shout out to Spencer. Uh, but man, that was just fun. I mean, he uh, before we went live, he's like, listen, guys, I don't do this. I haven't done this in a long time, uh, yep. but I checked you guys out and it looked like fun. And you just heard him at the end. He's like, hey, this this was enjoyable. I would do more if it was, were, were like you two. So, yeah. hey, there, there's no better stamp um, of approval than that, my friend. I know, man. I mean, it it just makes you as a content creator, like it makes you feel validated in a way, you know? Yes, it does. When when somebody of that, of that caliber, I mean, you saw his resume, you listen to his stories and you see what what he's done. I mean, when somebody like that tells you that you did a a good job and it was, it was fun for him and nothing feels better. So, so again, I mean, um, I'm probably not going to stop bitching and moaning, but it's like, (laughs) Hey, if, if Nick Gillard thinks we're cool to talk to, where the fuck are the rest of these Star Wars fans out there? I mean, yeah. we've got our diehards in the live stream. I'm not, I'm not, I'm never speaking to you in the live stream, people. You fandos, you know that. This is just me kind of thinking out loud, like, all right, hey, if we can get people like that to appreciate what we do, what are we doing wrong, uh, big picture wise? But, anyways, we're not going to yeah. dwell on that bullshit. That was kick ass. That was another notch on the mm-hmm. belt. And, Nick, I, I think we, we got some content out of that interview. I mean, yeah. I, I might be putting you to work tomorrow as I'm uh, as I'm slicing the show together. But I think you have to pull at least a part on the alternate ending to Revenge of the Sith. That was huge. Yeah. I, I've never heard that yeah. before. Me neither. I like, you know, as much as we've watched the behind the scenes and as 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 into this scene as we are, never once have I heard that that it was supposed to end that way. Yeah, that uh, what else he say? Um the Shit. Padme, like flinging Padme. Yeah, the, the Padme like the, thing. And then the Yoda was literally the, day of. Day, George was day like, of, like hey, hey, we're going to do this now. <laughs> it's like, okay, we'll do whatever you want, pal. Uh, so, yeah, uh, make sure to remind us, it, it, those of you in our Discord, and if you want to join the Discord, we encourage you to hit us on Instagram at Star Wars Time Show. Use the bio link. You can get into our Discord through there. Uh, but, but no bullshit. Tones, he's usually the most active put a reminder in there at that Nixie me too we need to clip that content and I do believe uh, we were getting all these emails from YouTube like hey you're eligible to have your content clip now uh, if that's the case and you all can clip parts of our show I I'm believe it allows you, you to do you up guys to, should be able to clip if that's yeah. now a feature yeah so. so so we would love for you all to share clips of our show these days you should be able to do it right from youtube shouldn't take much effort it seems like they made it easy but this is where we can rely on the fando army those of you in the stream here 
to uh, kind of help us get some of these clips out into your own social feeds. Because let's be real, our social reach for the most part is is capped. Okay, it's it's Instagram, but when other big accounts share our stuff, put it in their stories. Hey, look at this article. Look at this interview. That speaks volumes. I'm a human too. When I look at people's stories, if it's a friend and they're recommending something, a lot of the times I will take the effort to go check it out. Um, so if you if you do have the ability to clip the show at this point and you are a regular, uh, I would love uh, for that type of support. But 100%, Nick, I'm tasking you right now. I know you usually take off from now until next <laughs> Tuesday. I'm, I'm begging with you. We need to get those uh, revelations out there. And then someone needs to get them on, on a Reddit or into the viral mainstream. Because I think we got some nuggets. I really do. Um, we're live now. I'm not going to go look and research if that's been out there before. But I think we got some good stuff from uh, Mr. Gallard. It, it was all good. But I, in terms of just behind the, the scenes lore, stuff. that was a win. All right. Kick ass, my friend. Let me uh, shut down some of the Gallard material I had there and never used because he was such a great interview. He was all worried. Here's the other thing, people <laughs> like behind the scenes. He's like, guys, I don't think this is going to go more than a couple minutes. He's like, wait till you start talking to me. Like, it was almost like he yeah. was self-deprecating. And I'm like, oh, don't worry. I'm, I'm full of hot air. We, we'll figure this shit out. And, and <laughs> we probably could have went another 20, 30 minutes. I just, yeah. I was running yeah. out of questions and I don't want to be, I don't want to have a five hour show today. So, uh, we, we had to let him go, but beautiful stuff, but it's now time to do what we usually do on star Wars time show day. And that is get all of you caught up on all things, important star Wars that occurred between the last SWTS. Uh, and we're going to start with the bad batch, right? This, this thing's moving right along. We are now 12 episodes in four to go. Four to go. I know. Don't start crying yet or don't start cheering yet because I have I've seen out there, at least on Instagram, that there is a faction of Bad Batch haters, believe it or not. I don't quite understand. Uh, but these days I'm, I'm giving up trying to figure out humanity. It's it's just it's useless. We are. No. Yeah. Idiocracy. Nobody's going to in, in the nobody's flesh. Like it. Yeah. It's it's one of the things where too like. Animated series will always get more hate just because there are people out there who think that anything that's not live action is just garbage. It's bullshit. And and this is it's new. They're new characters. They're new personalities. It's not you don't have somebody to latch onto like you did with Clone Wars with uh, with Anakin and Obi and all of the familiar characters from the prequel trilogy. So it's you do you have to build a relationship with these characters, and that's why some of the episodes that people call filler exist so you can build those bonds True. build those relationships with these characters so. hey real quick can but someone uh sorry nick uh, again i don't want to get yelled at by your fans <laughs> so I'm, I'm really trying my best and i know i stepped on you a few times so i'm sorry um can someone when you figure it out help bat out either in our discord or here with how to do youtube clip sharing please thank you all right okay nick so uh bad batch s1 e12 aka rescue on ryloth for some reason i keep wanting to say over ryloth i'm not sure why uh but you know how we do it if you're new here we we typically nick and i will will kind of uh, put our own, not spin, but just our own feeling of the episode, kind of how it touched us, if you will, overall. And then we'll get into more of the analytical breakdown, looking at some of the eggs and references, as well as some of the moments that you probably should have been paying attention to. All right, dude, I'll be honest with you. 
and I think this is just my narcissism here, but I I don't want to say I was put off by this episode. I was completely surprised with how it played out. And you won. You won the speculation wars for this episode. I I will give Nick credit. Look, see, you know, he, he's not like me, but I'll, I'll give him his praise. He's the one that told me he's Every like, now and then he's like, calm down, psycho. Hauser is not going to die yet. It, shit's not getting that crazy yet. And he was 100 percent right. But that kind of shocked me. I, I just I did not see the detour happening with with Hera and, and her parents and, and Hauser. And I'm not saying that's a bad yeah. thing. I just, you know, I don't like to be wrong. I'll, I'll just admit it. I did not like to be wrong. So, uh, Nick, Nick, you were hundred percent right. And I was sitting there going like that motherfucker. He got it. He, he said, listen, dude, Hauser is going to survive and sure as shit he did. Um, I would, I would argue though, outside of that moment, the, the episode was kind of zippity doodah for me, you know, not, I'll yeah, never no, say filler, but it was just like, all right, literally we added nothing to the, to the world so yeah, far it, it followed the beats i mean when you have when you have an episode the way that the last one ended and then the next one is literally called rescue where we just were there's not a lot of places you can go i right. guess the only thing that you could kind of talk about in terms of like world building is is or, or character building is that the batch themselves were still very hesitant yeah they to go back they they're don't like, know what the fuck this they, ain't our problem like they're they're, they're they're it's you're right it's like they're stuck now in between being caretakers mercenaries and and soldiers for the righteousness right soldiers for the yeah. common person and they're, they're figuring it out but who's the one making them figure it out it's omega because she's omega, the one yeah. that really lobbied hard and i guess that's that that's what we could really take from this episode is the fact that omega is sort of calling the shots now like we expected based on her the battle with hunter i mean he, he pretty much said like not that you can call the shots but you will be an official part of the team and you will always come on every mission and clearly she is now dropping down some of the strategy and some of the moves they're going to make uh, but yeah. i think the thing to take from this is that by the bad batch ultimately helping the syndulas out it now is a very strong connection between uh, Harrison Dula and Omega, Hera and Bad Batch, which is just going to hopefully provide more fruit down the road. Uh, because at this point, uh, season two has to be inevitable. I don't think you. I mean, the, yeah. I don't think you bring in a character like Hera and give her two episodes and then not show how she, you know, loses her mother. This, that, and the other thing. But who knows? I mean, who knows? Because. In Rebels, I forgot, Cham Syndulla did leave Ryloth like we saw him leave in this episode. And he does return to fight the Empire. Um, I, I guess, are we going to see some of that in, in Batch now? But be, Nick's call and Hare and the family getting away definitely opens the door for future Syndulla crossover mm-hmm. story action. I guess that's the biggest takeaway. Yeah. So, like, the, the big thing for me is that, like, season two of this has to be more focused on formation of the rebellion. It's, yeah. it's inevitable that that comes up in the show because 
as of now, in terms of like actual canon stuff in this in this time period, like you don't you don't have a lot of knowledge of the rebellion. I mean, we haven't heard it. Like even if you go like obviously the movies, it's not necessarily canon because it was a cutscene. I mean, all the way through Clone Wars, you couldn't talk about the rebellion because you were still actively in the in the Republic days. Now you have to get there. Like you have to you, you have to bridge the gap between. Well, you're right because Clone Wars and Rebels at this point, this, Nick. With this series, they are. They essentially refer to the rebellion as the Republic, right? Even Rex himself says, mm-hmm. like, I'm still fighting for the Republic. Saul Guerrero, yeah. you know, the, the, the Republic. So we are seeing the rebellion, but it, it truly is still the Republic at this point in time. Mm-hmm. The, the original freedom fighters, because remember, the, the, yeah. the Republic and its armies were all formed because of this fake CIS threat. It's not like uh, the galaxy was in a, a war before the Clone Wars. That was all designed by the Sith mm-hmm. to, to do what Palpatine needed to be done with the Jedi, so on and so forth. Uh, so yeah. it is, like at the, at Nick's right. At, at this point in time, it's not the Rebellion yet. And, and hell, it really doesn't even become the Rebel Alliance until the end of Star Wars Rebels. Um, it, what, we're get, what we should see is the Republic and people referring to themselves as the Republic they're going to be the ones that start forming these rebel cells that eventually cells. will come together to form the rebel alliance mm-hmm. after the battle of uh, what was Ezra Lothal. I mean, that, that's essentially Lothal. that battle. Yeah. It was the signal to the rebel cells like, hey, these motherfuckers under Sindula and, and Bridger, they got their shit together. They just had a major victory against Thrawn. We can do this. It's time to yeah. show our full force. Another um, big thing that I think came from this is we now see that this the the conditioning order sixty six is is either weaker than initially thought or it like starts to wear off totally because well, and that we'll, moment we'll get with to this. Hauser, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, let's let's save that, was, that because I I really want to get analytical on that scene's ass so yeah I guess overall how did how did you feel at the end of episode twelve I mean was it I think it was it was expected kind of like you said it was it wasn't anything that was like nothing came out of here that we didn't expect which is kind of weird i mean usually you you have something at the end or you have something that that kind of pops up in the episode that may be like oh okay this is where we're going or like this is a new little wrinkle and it, it really didn't feel like that it just felt like the the episode was exactly and just what the title said that this is the rescue on ryloth and from here it, it you're, you're still in kind of a weird spot because you know, they just kind of leave. And, and now what does the batch do? Like this next thing is going to be complete. Almost. It feels like it's going to be wholly disconnected from everything we just saw. Yeah. And, um, I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, we'll, we'll get analytical on the chip stuff because Hauser is a case study at this point in time, hundred percent, a case mm-hmm. study. Uh, he's a, he's a, He's even a contrast to the Bad Batch and what was happening with, yeah. with Wrecker's chip. So, yeah, I want I definitely want to get into that. But uh, before that, let, let's go through the very uh, minuscule amount of eggs and references in this episode. <laughs> I mean, it, it, this was nothing. This was a no. Not, maybe this is why I was kind of like, meh. You know, when I get up early, I'm expecting to get some crazy lore stuff. And this one was just kind of as Nick predicted from start to finish, it was just a rescue. No one died. I mean, I thought for sure Hauser was at least going to get popped by crosshairs. No, I thought if someone was going to die sacrificing themselves for Hera. No, but we didn't even get any really good Easter eggs or um, references either. So, you know, we, we some IPDs were in there. That Y-wing carcass mm-hmm. was in there again. Whoop-de-doo. Uh, 
I mean, really, this was my big one here. And this is as dumb as it gets. This is as stretchy as it gets for an egg. But on uh, in Rampart's office on his desk, it looks like he's got some melaron fruit, which, you know, was kind of a <laughs> it, it formed the crux of a, a a plot line in Star Wars Rebels with Hera tasking uh, yeah. Ezra and um, Zeb and I believe Chopper because they're all fucking with each other on her ship, screwing it up to go get a melaron fruit to teach them how to work together. Uh, so that was about it on the uh, reference and eggs front. So, like I said, kind of weak. But as Nick kind of teased, some of the key moments are clearly going to impact the, sh- the show down the road, if not the the galaxy, especially with the clone stuff we learned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the first key moment, and this kind of harkens back to what Nick and I were saying with Hera, or not Hera, Omega, just becoming a full member of the batch and kind of doing shit the way she wants to. But we learn early on that of her own accord, Omega gave Hera the Bad Batch's comm channel. And yeah. I love when Hunter's like, yo, why would you do that? Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. We can't just save everybody. And she gives him the line. Isn't that what soldiers do? What soldiers do. Yeah. Uh, no, that was perfect. And it shows that like that, that scene in particular shows me that like more than anything, Omega is like almost like the moral compass for the group. I mean, most of the time when you have kids in shows and they're surrounded by adults, they, they kind of are, but it's unique with her because you are, you are essentially now the moral compass for a group of soldiers, mercenaries. Your brothers. I mean, the, uh, while yeah. they're not pure, pure DNA, pure Django semen, they're still related to her. They still have her same yeah. brain matter and whatnot. And yeah. you're right. She really has kind of become the... She's like the den mother, for lack of a better word. She's like, listen, you, you shitheads, you all smell and you fart too much, but no... We are going to be a force for change. We are a force for good. I mean, she's made that mind up. She is there Mm -hmm. to fight for the downtrodden, which is a, you know, this is a, I don't want to say a carbon copy, but this is a, a tried and true mold for a Star Wars hero, right? Yeah. They exist to help out those less in need, less fortunate, those that are in dire circumstances. And yeah. she really is defining herself, as Nick said, as the kind of the moral compass for the Bad Batch. And it's clear she's going to win them all over. I mean, once so goes Hunter, will go the rest of the Batch. And she pretty much already yeah. has them wrapped around their finger. She she gets whatever she wants. Uh, so I just I appreciate seeing Omega each week becoming more and more a part of the actual Bad Batch Clone Force 99 and less uh, less of a a kid that they need to babysit. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, next key moment here, and this should make some of you, you canon freaks happy, but Rampart makes it pretty clear that Orange Free Todd did survive the assassination attempt, so... Um, while Nick and I were like, yo, dude got shot in the head. You could see his body there. Uh, I don't think Rampart was just bullshitting. I, I think maybe Orn Free Todd did survive off camera. We still haven't seen a body. So I guess technically he is alive. Uh, what was your take? Do you th- is this Rampart playing up to the crowd or was he being legit? I, I tend to believe that. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, it was, I mean, like, even for us, we're like, wow, did they really fucking kill that guy? Like, we were even hesitant to believe that he was actually dead. But, I, I mean, maybe it maybe it was kind of like I said, maybe, like, he hit that fucking head tail 
And yeah, that I think was you're what right. he was aiming for. And it just knocked his ass out or like it was it was a serious enough wound to like put him out of commission, but not actually kill him. Yeah, it could have been like a concussion shot. You know, I think that's been in some yeah. video games. You can add like a concuss round where it's more like a yeah. beanbag. But if anyone would be able to shoot someone in the head and not kill them, it would clearly be crosshair. So and then also by by doing that. And by having like Orn Free Tie, if he is alive, Orn Free Tie is going to come about and he's going to say, these, these people tried to kill me. Right. Like right. I, I, they tried to kill me. I survived. We need to put all of our focus and support behind the empire to protect us from these fucking, you know, these evil rebels that are trying to overthrow our, our, our government. So, um, I think it was, it was, if he is alive, then that was a very fucking tactical move on their part to make it I'm look glad as you said tactical because I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, you know what, Nick? And I, I'm assuming we're going to see what happens to him, but Admiral Rampart is shaping up to be a, a pretty decent Imperial strategist. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to put him on Thrawn's level, but so far he's been able to pull off some pretty impressive, like, multi-layer plans to get what he wants and that is making the good guys look bad uh yeah. you know trying to cast freedom fighters and those that you know planet inhabitants would rally behind as shitheads and he's he's really good at it uh the reason he's probably not that great because i mean we don't see him down the road they haven't like crammed him into a new hope at this point like they have for yeah, some characters yeah. they created in the <laughs> animated universe like what was it will not not wilhelm but the uh, oh well there, there's uh, one of them that that makes it all the way from clone wars to a new hope yeah, uh, one of the white-haired guys in in, in the like Krennic the, outfits. Yeah, but it's he's a master manipulator. Yeah, and that's that you you're getting that really quickly. And as soon as you like, when he was the voice of the Imperial chain code thing, like when he was on every system on that hologram, you were like, okay, this guy is gonna. He's like the PR guy for the Empire. Yeah, yeah he's basically. he's Fox News. He is the Empire's yeah. Fox News, and he he's he's like Tucker yeah. Carlson of 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 the Empire. Where but it, unlike Fox News, he's actually clever enough to pull off his manipulations in a believable way. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, man. Like, they see, they've convinced a lot of people that vaccines will kill you, and the the elections in this country aren't real anymore. So they're pretty damn good at what yeah. they do. It's dangerous, but I guess so. No, he like you're right because he's also the mastermind of War Mantle. Uh, yes, exactly. So like Nick said, I mean, th this guy has kind of become Tarkin's number two, right? You know, maybe yep. maybe we don't see him because Thrawn ultimately slides into that slot. Uh, but yeah, I, he Rampart's no joke. And I, I was kind of expecting him to be a bit of a buffoon. Uh, they made, you know, before Thrawn was there, I think her name is General Price uh, from Star Wars Rebels, yeah. who was mm -hmm. just kind of an idiot. Like she was your, your typical overly ambitious Imperial commander who would make decisions uh, brashly not think and usually get egg on her face i mean mm -hmm. she was kind of a dope you know the, the the rebels phoenix squadron always made her look stupid so far no one's made rampart look stupid yet outside yeah, of maybe hauser which we'll, we'll talk about here in a little bit but um i'm i'm impressed with rampart he he's been playing a pretty good pretty good bad guy like a mastermind not like a <laughs> but the long game type of motherfucker, you know, like, like Palpatine yeah. Jr. 
Yeah. All right. Well, that's a little too much credit. No one is as good at the long game <laughs> as, as Palpatine. Not, not quite but. As- Okay, another key moment, and, and this is, you know, it's sentimental, lore, whatever, but we got to see Hera as uh, in the uh, leader's role for the first time, planning out a mission, telling people what to do, what they need to do, uh, is something we were overly familiar with with her character in Star Wars Rebels because that's what she was. I mean, she was such yeah. a leader and tactician that once the other cells found her, she started taking over whole squadrons and then ultimately became a general in the Rebel Alliance. So I don't know. I just thought it was it was cool as a fan of Hera's to see her first ever lead as a rebel, right? I mean, she's a rebel yeah. at this point in time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, she, like, it was cool to see her get to fly for the first time. Yeah, well, that like was that, my yeah. next one. It's, like, a, it's a bunch yeah. of firsts for hair. We also got to see her for the first time pilot a ship from start yeah. to finish, and it was a little rocky, yeah. but she pulled it off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's it's cool to see her grow. And like you can, like you said, you can already see the qualities that are needed for her to become the Harrison doula that we know in Rebels. And I mean, yeah, she basically built that whole fucking plan. Like, hey, attack the refinery, pull them over, and then we come in the back yeah. way. And, yeah, and the, and the know, only that, one that, that figured it out is because he's no yeah. fool is Crosshair. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he he eventually is like, oh, I know what my boys are up to. And, you know, he was there mm-hmm. to kind of lead us into our final key moment. And one I'd like to spend a few minutes on just kind of spitballing what the hell could be going on with our boy, Captain Hauser. So, you know, last week, Nick and I were pontificating about this gentleman, this named clone, a new named clone. We always love a named clone around here. And we're wondering, like, what what the fuck's up with this guy? Like, you know, was is the shit on the other side of his face? Did that play a role in his chip maybe not being as strong as some other clones? And he just was different. He was even more mm-hmm. different than than Rex with a chip, right? Rex, you can you can argue. I mean, he did try to fight it, but literally he had to physically fight his arms from blowing Ahsoka's face off. This yeah. guy seems chill as fuck. He will still take orders, but he's not afraid to push back. And and we saw in this episode, he finally drew a line in the sand and said, listen, brothers, we came here to free the people of Ryloth. And now we are essentially arresting them and rounding them up. What the fuck are we doing? Who is with me? That's a pretty clear and strong break from any sort of chip conditioning that the clones had. And what was even more eye-opening, it wasn't just Hauser with this sense of free will. You had arguably a third to a half of that little battalion or platoon also drop their arms and willingly get arrested. So yeah. if anything from this episode, it has been made very clear that clones, even after Order 66 was activated, certain clones can break through the conditioning and regain their free will. And I think that is going to have a huge impact on the rest of the show and the galaxy itself. Yeah, I mean, this is essentially why Project War Mantle exists. Thank you. You know, and... And what I wonder is like, it, like right when Order sixty six goes off, I would I would love if we we had like a view of Hauser when it came through, because what could be happening is like, yeah, right when you get that initial hit, bang, 
it happens, your conditioning kicks right. in, but then as time goes on, and we kind of see this with crosshair too, like as time goes on, he kind of comes off of it, but they, they keep juicing him. So they hit him with another fucking zap to the yeah, brain. I think, I think a lot of people right forget a lot of people forget that crosshair is so over the top, you know, always wanting to shoot babies and kids first because Tarkin specifically had the Kaminoans jack his chip to a ridiculous level. So like he is, yeah. he has truly been turned into a monster. Like, I mean, there's, I don't think there's, but Nick, Nick hinted out. I don't, know, I don't know if anyone else picked it up. You can even tell in this episode as as driven as he is to kill his friends. I don't know. When I look at him, Nick, I always feel like he's, he's having an internal fight still. Like, yeah, there's a little bit of humanity left yeah, in there. So I, I'm I with mean, you. Because that's the thing. It's like he could have blasted Hauser as soon as that door. Hundred percent. But instead, he says, "Arrest them." Yep. Like if if this was Crosshair from the from the from the Rebel Cell camp with Saw Gerrera's oh, yeah. people, they all those motherfuckers would be dead. Yeah, but but there's something in there that that still is is itching at his brain that he knows that something's not not right. So I'm with you on the idea that the chips effects over time probably degrade. Uh, you know, it just yeah. it, it, it's just who knows? Maybe the chips themselves start to to break apart. Uh, the the little jolt of conditioning they got just it it, it degrades. It's like you know you, you know you're sitting out in the sun and you shrivel up. It just it just you give it some time, you air it out, you get some clarity back. But clearly, not all clones reach that clarity right away. So, I think where I want to go with this, Nick, is and I believe this has been touched on and maybe in stuff that's EU content at this point in time, but I think it's an inevitable now that there's going to be a clone uprising. And that is going to be the ultimate reason that the empire has to make the flip to conscripted soldiers. It's, it's not this bullshit Tarkin's been feeding us with, Oh, budgets and costs like, okay, whatever you're the fucking empire. You take whatever you want. Don't give me, don't give me your, you're looking for (laughs) ways to cut costs to, to create your war machine. I, I do think that a lot of the clones are going to start having a Hauser. And and they will get other clones to follow suit. And yes, you will have clones, even with free will, that decide to stay with the Empire. But I think mm-hmm. ultimately, because of the clones dropping out, breaking orders, breaking rank, that Tarkin, the Emperor, that this is going to be the, the, the death nail for them. And it's going to be, hey... We're sending a force to Camino. Maybe this is the force war, the first war mantle battalion. Wipe them out. Wipe yeah, no, every fucking clone out on Camino. Blow up all the facilities. We can't have these fuckers in the galaxy at all. Yeah, no, I, I think you're a hundred percent right on that. And I mean, like I, in terms of actual canon, I don't think that there's any stories told about a clone uprising right now. But it makes the most sense. Like you're seeing the seeds. The seeds are planted not only for the rebellion, but for a potential uprising. I mean, like you said, like 50 percent of these clones after Hauser's speech were like, yeah, no, I, I, I'm w- down with that. And they just fucking start to to, to drop their shit and, and, and pull off. So if that happens and that's you know, if that happens in the field and you have essentially half of your army draw arms against you then that man that really looks fucking tough for the galaxy and then all but that also strengthens the resolve of the people who are fighting against that like if if there's word that gets out that 
a clone uprising happened, that would only fuel oh, hell the yeah. rebellion I mean, efforts even more. That is that is the the last thing the Empire wants to happen right now. Their their main force, their main troops, going haywire and turning against their imperial commanders, the the, the ramparts of of the world. Uh, so I, I I really think it's going to be Hauser and what he did. That is going to be the impetus for the end of the clone program. Not not money. And really, let's face it, people. There has to be an explanation as to why. Besides, oh, they just died of age. As to why the clones are essentially completely wiped out by the time we get to yeah. the original trilogy. I mean, just gone. The only ones that yeah. I, I believe were around at that point, and who knows, maybe uh, we'll, we'll get some insights on the Bad Batch and if they make it out, but it was Rex, Gregor, and Wolf. That's it. Three out of millions. So yeah. it, it, there, there had to be some sort of extinction event for our poor clone brothers, and, and I think this is now going to be it. it, it it's This was the start. We'll probably get a little more uh, sprinkled in over the few uh, final few episodes, but I would not be surprised if by the end of this this season here, that some dark shit goes down on Camino between clones and Imperials. No, oh, yeah, I think that's a great, uh, really good call for sure. Yeah, Kingdom of Weird. We we've been asking that too. Like, if it's kind of like Suicide Squad and the chips could just be uh, activated. So far, it doesn't look yeah. like it, but I wouldn't put it past the Empire. I, yeah, you would. You would figure that they would pop some of those. Well, yeah, they, I mean, at this point, just they just you know remote. Well, the first few episodes, you could have blown the Bad Batch's heads off, but at this point, yeah. you can't because their chips are gone. So, no, I mean Hauser is huge. I mean he's the dude at this point in time. I mean we we got another name clone, and within two episodes, he's already a favorite Star Wars character. And, and honestly, thanks to his little maneuver at the end, for good reason. I mean he he really has kind of cemented himself as a very uh, key and important clone at this point in time in a short time because i do believe he is the one that is going to kind of show the other clones that it's okay to question these fuck faces that took over for the republic and they aren't doing the right thing and, and we are being used and it, it sadly is going to lead to their their genocide i mean th this is it i i think this is this is it for the the clones, the rags outside the ones we know that survive. Um, they are going to be killed now because the chips clearly uh, degenerate, lose their effect, so on and so forth. Yeah. So th thank you, Captain Hauser, for giving us that clarity. Uh, I mean, I guess I guess it makes sense now. I mean, outside of banging his head, why Wrecker was probably the next one to suffer from the chip because he's a fucking dope, right? I mean, yeah, he's dumb. He's an idiot. <laughs> I mean, I, I love the guy, but he's, he's fucking dumb as a box of Mantel mix. All right, so good stuff. Um, do you remember the, the 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 title for Friday? Or I guess we could look that up right now. I would yeah, like to see. to spit a little bit on this. Let's see. I, I got it. I got it here. Okay. Just this StarWarsTime.net site sucks. It's slow. It has ads. All right. So, <laughs> um, it. episode. Infested. Yep. Infested. And then, fuck, War Mantle's going to be the one. Ooh, it's coming. I'm going to miss the, that. That I'm going to be out that week. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll be there to do the video okay. for 10 people, but I'm not going to be able to comment on it. I don't know about this. I've been thinking about that. I've been worried about this because I'm a goofball with this shit, even though, you know, a couple hundred people watch these videos now. But I'm like, damn it. 
I just I have a feeling that this this next trip I'm going to miss a batch episode that is going to be crucial and I'm going to feel the pull from the dark side to talk about it. <laughs> but I, I here's what I think I'm going to do. And you tell me if I'm a fucking idiot. Okay. If War Mantle is just like nuts from a key yeah. moments and lore perspective. What do you think about me kind of cutting my own take on it? On like that Friday and having it and and when we run your solo show, you know, obviously you kick off the show, but when you get into the Bad Batch segment, maybe you, you, I'll like play mine and then you take over and, and give your own spin. Like I'll, I'll send mine to you so you kind of have ideas of what I had said. Not that you have yeah. to talk to my tape, but like, you know, that idiot <laughs> no, said yeah, this yeah. and this is what I think. Okay. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. We'll try that out. I'll, I'll just like record, you know, some audio, like blah, 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 if it's crazy. But I, I don't know how an episode titled War Mantle can't be crazy. But anyways, know, to, right? to this Friday, Infested, th- this is a, especially considering where we left off in 12, it's like, okay, I have no fucking idea. Yeah. Well, it's, like, it's hard to speculate. Yeah, it's hard to speculate. Like, is it an actual infestation? Because usually we would be like, oh, it's probably not bugs, but like there was a whole episode of The Mandalorian that was literally about the man, like Mando running away from spiders. So yeah. it, could, it could legitimately be an episode like that. Or, I mean, I don't know. Do they go like deep with infestation and this is like a lead up into into War Mantle where like right. the Imperial Army is now infested with like defectors, like I, I clones that are losing their programming that's kind of the spin i was thinking too nick is 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 in is this infestation just a a clever way of saying the the imperials are losing their brainwashed zero free will having freedom or free fighting force yeah Um, but this could also just be one of those kind of randos right that that gives us a break after a, a two arc run to, to kind of kick us into the final three. I don't know. Infested's tough, but I'm, I'm going to run with you. Let's just, let's just go with, maybe this is a, a clever way of saying that the empire is starting to realize that there is an infestation amongst the ranks of clones of free will. How's that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. All right. So, I mean, it's too bad we couldn't talk to Mr. Gallard about some of the Kenobi stuff because he told us right there. He's like, listen, I, I know the guys on Kenobi. I know uh, what yeah. they're doing and they're not doing what I did and they suck. I mean, that, that's what he said, right? Without saying <laughs> it, that's what he said. Yeah. I like how he said it's that. It's very diplomatic. Every, I, I mean, don't. I, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm putting my own spin on it. But I, I from what I heard Nick saying is like, listen. I could do better. Yeah, well, it's the way that he explained it was special. Like he put like he built fights around not moves, but the character, character yeah. personality. Yeah, I love yeah. Character. What he said about Kylo is just yeah. fantastic. Like, what a what a yeah. fucking guy. Nick Gallard yeah. is like my new hero. I love that guy. And I wasn't Dude. kidding. Like he really was. When I watched all those BTSs, I felt like I was just watching the, the Nick Gallard show with starring Rick <laughs> McCallum and Ben yeah, Burt yeah. and John Knoll, right? I mean, like those were the guys that were always doing the fun shit. Okay, so anyways, yeah. we got some good Kenobi shit. And, and, you know, I don't typically like to give the poo flingers a lot of credit, but this has been getting corroborated amongst a, a few of them. So we, we ran with it. Um, obviously... We spoil shit left and right on this show. If you're new here, you might want to get used to that. 
I am never comfortable saying we're going to spoil something that hasn't even come out yet because it's really just speculation and potential rumors. But just in case you're one of those people that gets all sensitive over any sort of potential spoiler for shit that could be a year away, there's your warning. All right. So we got some pretty massive updates from the Kenobi front. And so much so, Nick, that I think we're, we're, we're starting to get some formation of what some of the plot threads could be. So um, th- this comes from Jordan Mason, who's, you know, one of these people we've made fun of on Reddit. So, like I said, take it for what it's worth. But it sounds like he's corroborated with his multiple sources. Other sites have corroborated Jordan's reporting. We're not corroborating shit. We're just going to put it out just, there and potentially yeah. speculate on it because, hey, in the end, a lot of times the the speculation on SWTS is actually better than the rumors and leaks and, and the poofling. But anyways, so here's the big one. Again, spoiler alert, just in case. According to Jordan Mason, we're not only going to get young Luke, which we knew was inevitable, but we're going to get young Leia. And that's not all. Young Leia is essentially going to be the MacGuffin that gets Obi-Wan mixed up in a new adventure. I go back, go back and listen to old. I said this almost like, I don't know if I said it was a MacGuffin thing, but I I was like, we're definitely going to get young Leia. And I was like, something is going to pull Kenobi off of Tatooine. There's no way this whole fucking show is going to take place in the desert. I was like, he's got to go. And, 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 you know, as I usually do, I shit on Nick. I don't believe his <laughs> theories. You know, I always want to be right. That is a personal problem of mine. I'm working on it. But with, with this knowledge, and I, I do buy this. I do buy this. I really do. I, I know we, we, we kind of put on a little, little gimmick and making fun of these people because, you know, I'm, I'm jealous. Ultimately, that's what it is. I want, I want some attention like they get. I want people like Nick Gallard. Like we're we're we need more Nickelards. Like I, I think he likes us more than our own fans fans like us. <laughs> yeah, I know, you know right? what I mean. <laughs> like he's like, wow, you guys are really professional and shit. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like what the fuck's going like, on here? I yeah, I was like, man, that's the first time anybody's ever said yeah, that. Yeah, we we, <laughs> we we loop him into the, kind of our green room, and, I, and I'm like, well, shit may break. Hold on. He's like, nah, you guys are pretty professional. I'm like, hey, man, you are my fucking spirit animal these days all right <laughs> so nick i i know as much as i don't want to admit it i i do think you're right i still don't know if it's going to involve him leaving tatooine uh but the the idea that something could be imperiling leia and maybe bail or someone kind of reaching out to kenobi yeah i could see that like you know maybe inquisitors get wind of of force sensitives on all the who knows but it does sound like leia is is going to be the macguffin that kind of gets the party started for lack of a better phrase and apparently uh, she's going to be played by vivian lyra blair Uh, if you've watched bird box or we can be heroes which i've watched multiple times because i have a little kid she is uh she starred in both of those films um, so what do you think? There? I mean, obviously you're you're all about this because it it uh, it kind of confirms your your speculation here. Yeah, I mean, if there was if there was any reason for him to leave, it would be for Leia. Like, there's no other thing. Like, I don't think he would leave if he's like, oh, well, Vader is 
in a system near me, let me go fucking try to take him out. I don't think he would ever do that. Like he's got, he's got one charge and it's to protect the Skywalker twins. And if you think about it, like, yeah, Leia's in the hands of, of the Organas and they're on Alderaan and all this other shit. But like, what the fuck is, is Bail Organa going to do if a inquisitor walks up to his door right. and, and is like, Hey, uh, that's not your kid, and we know that this is the the daughter, or we know this is a force sensitive kid that you're that you're housing. I mean, they probably don't know that it's a Skywalker twin or that it's you know Anakin Spawn, but they'll be like, "This is why do you have a force sensitive child in your house?" <laughs> like, and I mean, what the fuck is Bail Organa gonna do? Like, you need somebody like Kenobi in there to like yeah squash that thing i don't know i mean i i trust the people it'll be done right if it does happen i just i've just really felt like he's not gonna leave his little dude it just i don't see it happening but knowing the the impact of losing little dude's other half his twin that probably would be the only thing to get that old loony Kenobi out of the Dune Sea. So that's the first update. Here comes a next, the, the next one here, or a next one, as an idiot would say. Uh, apparently, again, coming from Mazin, we're going to get some Rebels characters popping up in Kenobi. He didn't really have any names. I, I'm kind of positioning that the ones that are most likely would be Hera, Chopper, Kanan, especially because of Hera's involvement in Bad Batch now. I mean... She has now been included in every main era of Star Wars all the way through the sequel trilogy. So she is becoming a a legend level character, if you will. Uh, Kanan, again, another Jedi on the run. There could be some some play there. And, you know, Chopper, if hair is around, Chopper's around. Uh, I also threw out Agent Callus as a potential um, cameo in the Kenobi series because you know he would make sense to be in there he'd still be a kind of a young agent and yeah. not even that young he would be an agent in the Empire working in what, what, what division did he work in Nick the same as Moff Gideon ISB yeah. security so, bureau obviously someone like that who in Rebels was directly working with Inquisitors he may already kind of be out there rooting and looking for uh, Jedi or, or Rebel factions um, yeah I just, you know, Sabine and Ezra are probably still too young to even be included. It just wouldn't make sense. Ezra's the same age as twins, essentially, and Sabine would be a few years older than them. Uh, so that's why I'm saying Hera, Chopper, Kanan, even that, I, I don't know. I, I'm thinking maybe Callus or some of the bad guys from Rebels are more likely. But here, here's kind of a big one, and this isn't even so much coming from a leaker. This is coming from someone that is confirmed on the show already you know shooting scenes and that is our buddy sung kang all right mm-hmm. you know han from fast five and f9 whatever the fuck it's called that crazy ass <laughs> fucking fast and the furious movie <laughs> family 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 man some of the memes with dom were great and i apologize to tones and the rest of you because <laughs> you've given us some great ones and i've just been a lazy asshole and getting them out on our instagram at star wars time show but there's been some just epic dom family memes mashed with star wars <laughs> it's so there's so many like i've never seen like recently like that is the most pervasive meme on the yeah. internet it's just fucking everywhere what's the, no it's the one anakin's flying in his eta2 and dom's in a car it's like dom wait are you oh, in yeah. space he's like he's like that's nah, a power of family or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit man family uh, anyways speaking of family so sun kang did an interview with rotten tomatoes and 
right there, he's like, yeah, we're on set with Vader and some other Jedi-like characters. It's like, oh, there you go. There, there's something to, okay, to latch on to. So that's pretty yeah. much Vader and the Inquisitors. And, and if he's on set with them wearing what he called a very Star Wars costume, yeah. uh, if you couple what he said with what some of the leakers are saying... I feel confident in saying that Sung Kang is 100% playing an Inquisitor, and that Inquisitor will be the fifth brother. All right? That is what we are getting from the Leakerverse and Kang himself without saying it, but pretty much said, yeah, I was on a set, and I saw Vader was there, and other Jedi-like people were there. It's like, okay, well, probably weren't a lot of Jedi at that time, but I know some other people with lightsabers at that time and why they'd be hanging out with Vader, so... They, the only thing that I have against him, like, I think that he's a hundred percent an inquisitor. If that's the case, the fifth brother is a hard one to pull off because he's, I don't, I mean, he'd have to be soon. Kang would have to be in a lot of makeup first off. Cause his soon, like the fifth brother is the one that shows up on Malachor five. Oh, it's a very, they were all very stylized, like, like a big, big face, gray face, white yeah. eyes. Right. Yeah, and this dude was he was pretty fucking big. Like he was a he was a pretty big dude and Soon Kang is not that big. Like he's a he's a, I don't want to say slight, but he's a smaller human being. So like I mean, maybe he is and maybe they're just like whatever, fuck it, we'll just make him look like whatever we want him to look like or but he could also just be playing another like, you know, I, the I, Nick, I'm brother. looking. <laughs> I'm looking. He could do it. He could do. I mean, you gotta remember that Rebels was very stylized, very angular. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'm with you. I think the face makeup would probably be a bitch if they had to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of like the overall, and I know what you're saying. He he did have wide, broad shoulders. Uh, yeah, but just I, I got some pictures up on the stream now. But I I think I think that uh, Kang could pull it off in a live action version of this character. You know, I'm sure you'll have people out there bitching that his face isn't big enough or shoulders aren't wide enough, just like they were upset about, you know, Tano's uh, neck and head tails. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, that, that that everyone out there is pretty much identifying Kang now as the fifth brother. But it, it continues, my friends. The scoops are not over yet. Um, apparently, there'll be other familiar Inquisitors from Rebels as well. So you could have the second sister. Maybe that's who like, Moses yeah. is playing. Uh, it could be other Inquisitors. I mean, they don't just have to be, you know, named ones. I mean, the Grand Inquisitor, where the fuck's he at? Maybe he's in there. Maybe that's who Kang's playing uh, and not uh, Jason Isaacs, whoever voiced him. So um, I think that was it from this one. I got I, We've got more updates. I mean, like I said, there was a lot of shit flooding out for Kenobi. So I, I feel like someone on set was getting flappy with their gums or, or, or something. But last <laughs> week was odd because all the leakers seemed to kind of follow each other. It's like a coordinated effort of, of corroborated uh, leaks. But he also said, yeah. Um, yeah, and we, we've talked about this as a take it to the bank, but you are definitely going to see some Clone Wars flashbacks with a certain general Skywalker. So, I mean, that's, yeah, makes that's like total sense. No, duh. But the other ones that, that kind of came out like a day later after this, and again, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers for Kenobi, and if we believe the Princess Leia stuff, this this leak isn't a, a very far fetched either, Nick. And that's the fact that um, the Droid Bros will make yeah. an appearance in Kenobi. I mean, if you're in the Skywalker verse, which I consider this show, still I do, in the I do too. I do too. I do too. Yeah. 
So like they, they gotta be there, right? You, you gotta have them. Like you, they, they well, especially, show up everywhere I mean, there. Yeah. Especially if Lay is included, they're in her father's care, right? Or, or yeah. one of his captains. I mean, they, they yeah. belong to Captain Antilles. So Antilles. yeah, exactly. So maybe I don't, you get them. Maybe you get a, a, a Tanif four scene. Like you get, you, oh, you're I, on the ship. hundred percent, hundred percent. I, I mean, that, that's too easy. I mean, and it could be, I don't think they're going to have any major moments or be a big part. Uh, I think it'll kind of be a, I don't think it will be as cameoistic as they were in Rogue One, right? Like they're just like, yeah. oh, there they go, and it's like, okay, yeah, uh, hey guys, hey Goldenrod, hey you, you oil bucket or what does he call him? You rust bucket, rust bucket. I always yeah. felt bad for R two. I mean, in A New Hope, C three PO like, is the worst. He is the meanest yeah. motherfucker around to that little guy just treats him like complete like garbage. Like shit. And, it's just, and then you see the prequels, and you're like, dude. R2-D2 saved your life multiple times. You know what it is? I think it's the fact that I think he blames R2 ultimately for taking him away from just being a farmer droid and getting him mixed up in space adventures. And he just he can't let it go. He just he has to just fucking harass him at every corner. I could have had a simple life. He's like, I could have been. I mean, he even physically assaults him in A New Hope. Like it's verbal and physical abuse from fucking Goldenrod. What a dickhead. But yeah, I I definitely could see them showing up in Kenobi, especially if the Leia rumor is true. It, It just seems like a no brainer. It doesn't have to be anything over the top. It could be a quip from from C-3PO and a few beep beeps from from R2. And, you know, that would get our nipples hard. I mean, it, I, I still go back to the, the Luke moment. I mean, I was already sobbing and then R2 rolls up. I'm like, R2-2! This is beautiful. <laughs> I love you, John. I love you, Dave. Um, but yeah, so there you go. Those those are all the Kenobi updates. And like I said, I think they were good ones. And, and they it seemed like a coordinated effort. So that's why I'm kind of buying into some of these versus usually sitting here and lampooning uh, the leakers. So and it's all it's all shit that we've speculated on, too. Of course. It all, of course. It, it, it's all stuff that like makes yes. sense. You know, no, you are right. We are. We are the, still the best. We still know the most. Yeah. We still say the best shit. But we will give these people some credit every once in a while. <laughs> I mean, you find they finally came around to something that we said four or five months ago. So, yeah, congratulations. There you go. Yeah, no, I mean, he is kind of right, even though I was kind of being the shithead like, no, there's no way Kenobi leaves. But you're 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 getting me to buy into it a bit more. I'm still going to hold on till I see him take off in a in a blasted starship. Maybe, maybe Boba he, Fett's like, starship. he gets all the way to, to Mos Eisley. And he's like standing outside of the uh, outside of the fucking the the takeoff, like right outside of the ship. And then he just decides not to leave. Like he because he's like that close. He's like, I got to go. I gotta, and then he just walks. Yes. Back. Or like he, he, he has to take like a, an emergency diarrhea and misses his transport <laughs> off planet. And he's yeah, fucked. Yeah. And, and and Leia gets corrupted. But I don't know. I, I, yeah. I, I like the updates. <laughs> it, it sounds like the show is, is still filming. But at this point, they're probably, what, two to three months in. Uh, so I, I yeah, I mean, you would figure that they're almost done because it's only a six episode run, right? Four. Four episodes. Man, I think you're right, but six sounds so much better. Let's just pretend it's six for now. Yeah. I don't like, like, what is it? When did we get to just reducing seasons of shows to like a handful? I don't. Why did that become a thing? Like, 
you know, back in the day, I remember Breaking Bad season one was only like six or seven, but that was just kind of like it's 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 pitch yeah. season. Like, hey, can this thing live? And then they started making slightly longer seasons. But it seems these days, and I think it's Disney Plus starting yeah. Mando at eight episodes. It's like, hey, fuck it. Yeah, we'll, we'll call a season of of six episodes a season. It's like no, especially when they're like forty minutes or less. That's not a fucking season. That's a yeah, long like movie. Loki. So Kenobi six, Loki was six. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, Mando S one was eight. Yeah, eight, eight. I think it's yeah. I think it's because they're like they know if you if you give them less, you can milk it for longer. Like, why would I make twenty two episodes of Mando in season one and then only be able to do maybe two more seasons of it, where I can do you can essentially cover three seasons in the span of what you would be able to cover with one previously. So why, why did I mean, they do 16 with bad batch then? Cause it's cheaper. <laughs> that's, that's dude. I'm telling you because it's cheaper. Like they had, well, even, bad even, even clone wars, even clone wars returns. I think what they do 12, I mean, it was 12? still like a little dinker winker. So I don't know. Hey, whatever. I'm I not, as long as we keep getting I it, I, I don't yeah. care, but just I'm, I'm, I'm a glutton for this type of shit. Yeah. I mean, they probably asked the people they're like, Hey, like previously the studios who were like Fox would be like, Hey, fucking fringe or whatever TV show you're making 22 episodes this season. You got to yeah. do it. That's what we said. Now they probably put it up to the creatives. Like they probably asked okay. Deborah Chow. It's like, well, what do you like? What do you think you can right. do? Like how many? Episodes yeah, I mean, there is want? a quality V quantity argument to be made. It just, it seems like it's, it's everywhere. Cause you know, I'm at night just to have background shit on. I've been watching all the old Star Trek TV shows and I'm on enterprise now, which has the worst fucking theme song <laughs> I've said this before. <laughs> I want all of you. There's some homework, whether you like Star Trek or not. Look up the opening song for Star Trek Enterprise and tell me how that has any place in a science fiction uh, franchise. It, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Yet the song is stuck in my head because at night now, you know, I, I told you guys last week I, I got like a big boy Swago account. So I, I yep. put so much more time into the game now. Like it's, it's almost annoying how much more time I've been putting in because I feel <laughs> obligated to kind of keep up with the Joneses. So I've been, I've been ripping through enterprise and, and I listen, I hear that damn theme song like every 40 minutes, but back to my point, those seasons, generations, uh, Voyager, Deep Space Nine, I mean, they, they would get into like the mid 20s, like 26, 25 episodes. Uh, Alias, yeah. we just finished. That too was hitting in the 20s for most seasons. But I, these days, even regular TV, it seems almost everything is pared down to sub 20. I'm just kind of sad. I just want more content, you know? Let, let's, let's draw it out a little bit longer. But I guess at least we get that with the Bad Batch. Yeah. Okay, story time. With story you, time with main dude, and the reason for that is <laughs> we got the second issue of the proper War of the Bounty Hunters comic miniseries. So, if you've been listening to the show, I've been I've been covering this miniseries since it launched with uh, issue zero. This is the War of the Bounty Hunters. It is a true miniseries that also crosses over with all the other proper Marvel runs at the time. So Bounty Hunter, Aphra, Vader, Star Wars. I think there's going to be a one-off Jabba and a one-off Forlom and Zuckus that are also going to tie into it. Uh, and it's been fantastic. And the main gist of what's going on is 
Crimson Dawn is trying to come back into power in the galaxy. And to do so, their leader, who happens to still be Kira from Solo, stole Han in Carbonite from Boba Fett after Empire Strikes Back. All right. So this has caused literally the entire galaxy. I'm talking the Empire, the Rebellion, the Bounty Hunters, the Underworld to stop drop enroll no just drop everything they're doing Mm. to go and bid on han solo so han solo think about how han would feel knowing this nick a guy like han if, if someone told him like han did you know at one point in time the entire fucking galaxy was consumed with your body in carbonite he would love that like han solo yeah. that would give him a boner for months to know that rightfully so yeah to, i mean that's all he wanted in the solo movie he wanted to be known i want to be the, the best pilot to get the, the best smuggler the best this but well guess what han you finally got your dream it just so happens to be with your ex-girlfriend who is using you to come back into power in the galaxy's underworld um so anyways We've gotten through all the other comics, all the other tie-ins. We are at this big auction at this point in time. The party's going down. The auction's about to begin. Kira's about ready to sell Han Solo to the highest bidder. But what we also know is that Boba Fett knows what's going down now. So in War of the Bounty Hunters number two, which is essentially from his point of view and not any of the other ones, which which I'm loving the crossovers, Nick, because... This one in particular was almost it, it mirrored what happened in the Afra issue from last week, but it told it from a different angle and perspective. So you actually saw yeah. what Boba was doing before you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So anyways, all, all these players are here. Afra's there. Other bounty hunters are there. Boba's there. I mean, in this one, he the the, the main canon to, to kind of pull from War of the Bounty Hunters number two is the fact that. <laughs> Before he even gets to the party, he gets waylaid by Bosk. Literally, I would call him his uncle, right? His de facto uncle, bounty yeah, hunter yeah. uncle. And because Boba's Boba and Bosk is Bosk, Boba ends up blowing his legs off so he can go unimpeded to this auction. So, wow. Boba Fett, to his former mentor and I dare say caretaker, blows his fucking legs clean off his body <laughs> to get away and it, i don't know what it was it's like it's like hey boba don't leave me out here man i'm a reptile i'm cold-blooded and boba just turns around and he goes so am i and i'm like yeah yeah boba boba fat i mean the guy is such a fucking pimp dude i'm I, like i said and you know those of you that are in the know you you, you remember boba fett gate from last year during the Mandalorian on this show Fett Gate as we call it around these town around this town Uh, I I did not like OT Boba Fett I based my opinions based on how he's portrayed in the movie which at this point in time have been confirmed and supported by the man that plays Boba himself I mean Tamara Morrison's like listen Boba Fett in the movies was a fucking putz he did nothing but stand there and say a few lines but now thanks to the resurgence of Neo Fett and this comic run I get it. I get it. He is a fucking animal, like an animal. Because I, you know, that was my lead here. Boba Fett and Bosk had a falling out after Empire Strikes Back. And, you know, I know bounty hunters are bounty hunters, but throughout the Clone Wars, Bosk 
and Aura Singh were Boba Fett's de facto adoptive mother and father. As yeah. as fucked up as their teachings were to young Boba, that's who they were. And <laughs> Boba has absolutely no problem blowing Bosk's essentially lower half off to get what he wants. And I just, I thought it was brilliant. Plus the line, like, so am I when it comes to being cold blood. Do you think he just grows his legs back? Yeah, no, I mean that, yep, you're, you're spot on. And Bosk actually says that. He's like, oh, these will, these will grow back. And Boba's like, yeah, but not in time. (laughs) He's like, fuck you. I'm out of here. I win again. So, uh, so anyways, that, that happens before Fett gets to the palace. And another just kind of cool lore thing for dorks like us he obviously has to wear a disguise in there because Jabba himself has an open bounty on Boba at this point in time so he's wearing this this kind of hooded thing and he's in there and he spots Afra and Sena and he's like hey 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 and they're like hey we've heard this voice before in the hollow recording for the battle of Coruscant or something they're like we know what you are and he's like, yeah, but you don't, you don't know who I am. I just thought it was cool that they played on the whole, you yeah. know, Boba Fett's a clone, his clone, voice. Yeah. It was very similar to Bo-Katan's quip in The Mandalorian. Like, I've heard that voice, you fuckface, you're a scumbag. Kind of, yeah. kind of same thing. So Boba enlists the help of Afra and Sana. And, and people should be familiar with Sana, Sana, I don't know how you say it. This is one of, again, one of Han Solo's, I think they were married at some point in time for a, for a hustle. But anyway, she she has some sort of affinity for the solo. So Boba's like, listen, some shit's going to go down. On my signal, I need you guys to provide a distraction. Because Fett's like, fuck this. Solo's mine. I'm getting him back. Fuck the auction. And I'm also going to kill Kira. Because he's like, she's the one that fucked up my, my bounty. Like, she's the one that got Jabba to put a bounty on my head. So he, he, has, he has no love for Kira. So... Just as it looks like shit's about to go down, right? He he puts the armor back on. He's ready to fucking party. Beskar style. All right. Guess who walks in just as the winning bid of millions of credits goes to Jabba the Hutt? Who do you think could walk in and just their presence alone kind of just just provide a hush over the the entire crowd? And everyone's head would turn at once. Who who do you think could show up at this shindig and get everyone to stop? We know oh, we know he's it? in search. It is none other than the Dark Lord of the Sith, oh, Lord okay. Vader. Okay. So, so he Vader. shows up because we knew you know we knew from my Vader recap that he he also again he wants Han Solo because he feels that Han Solo makes his son a pussy. In Vader's head, Luke has achieved nothing without his friends, but needs his friends to be excellent. So so Vader's big mission these days to fuck with his son is to take out his buddies, starting with Han Solo because of what Han did to him in the trench run at A New Hope. So just as Jabba thinks he bought himself what he already bought through Boba Fett, and that is some wall art in the form of Solo and Carbonite, Vader walks in, and uh, as Kira says, sold, Vader says something very, very Vader. Don't quote me, but he's like, <laughs> no, Han Solo is mine. And, and that's kind of where it ends. So Boba and Afra, they didn't get to enact their plan yet. Everything kind of ends with more of the Bounty Hunters number two with Vader showing up to the party with Ochi and everyone just going, oh, fuck. Um, because, I mean, the Huts want Solo so bad. I mean, they... Yeah. they, they 
overbid by like millions and millions of credits just to get them. And then you have Vader walk in and, and basically go, nope, <laughs> no, uh-uh. I'm fucking Vader. He's mine. Suck a dick. So that that's kind of where we're at. Uh, this week, I believe I will get some crossover love through a, a Vader issue, which I'm looking forward to. So as always, I ask you if you kind of like these recaps of the uh, recent or the ongoing Marvel Star Wars comics, make sure to be subbed to our YouTube channel, which you should do right now. If you're new here, you you know maybe came in to check out Nick Gillard and you're like, hey, these guys don't suck as bad as everyone says. I want to stick around. I want to be informed. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button right now. Do the thumbs up, leave a comment, tell us we suck, whatever you got to do, but anything is better than no action. Action is always better than no action. Um, so I'll, yeah. I should have the Vader recap up uh, later this week, probably Thursday. And I'm looking forward to it because I would assume it's going to pick up right where things left off to see if Vader actually does get his quarry or not. I was going to say, it's, it, it seems like we may have some more twists and turns before we get to to Solo's ultimate destination. That's the best the part. Of Jabba yeah. the That's the best part. I mean, we know he ultimately lands there, but it, I think yeah. half the fun is is just seeing this this circus that his his <laughs> casket, if you will, has has been on. I mean, it's been all over. The, you know, they went to Narshada. Now they're on whatever. It's the, like weekend at Bernie's. That, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, like they, you just need someone to put some marionette strings on on the yeah, carbonite casing now cool. and just move it back and forth. You know, like, hey, I'm Han Solo. <laughs> I used to be a smuggler. Ha ha ha. Stuff like that. So, um, like Tones is saying in the chat, if if you're not into full on words and shit for Star Wars. I can't recommend a better bit of Star Wars lore at the moment than what they're doing with War of the Bounty Hunters. And that includes buying all of the other series, at least the crossover issues, to just see the little nuanced stuff. Because even the stuff that's going on in in Bounty Hunters with with Valance and Dangar has been uh, revealing. Uh, Because each one of these little standalones ultimately peel more layers off of the overall War of the Bounty Hunters narrative, and it's been rather excellent. All right, dude, what do we got? No, gamers, not that we're not already perpetually disappointed with EA and their their Star Wars license, but, uh, you know, over the weekend or maybe uh, late last week, we kind of got the death nail in getting any good Star Wars new game news this year. Uh, because according to the EA Star Wars Twitter, we won't be showing any new Star Wars games at EA Play Live on July 22nd. But all of us look forward to celebrating with you next year when we share our vision for the galaxy far, far away. Um, so, yeah, well, you know what that is. That's like, yeah, we'll we'll tell you at Star Wars Celebration 2022. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, they, they even telegram. I mean, we look forward to celebrating with you next year. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only so for those of you who are looking for Star Wars game content, the only thing you got coming that's new is the new update to uh, SWOTOR, the MMO that's going to be dropping in November, I believe. And then really, that's about it. I mean, you got all the other stuff out there to play, I guess. You know, if you haven't played Swigo, you can get on play Swigo if you haven't played any of the other games, too. Well, apparently to to some of our older fans, don't recommend playing KOTOR because they're like, that game is a piece of shit. We had a a new, 
a new active member oh, yeah. in the Discord. It seems like him and Tones are hitting it off, but they're both like, yeah, we, we can't touch fucking KOTOR with a 10-foot pole. They're like, I mean, <laughs> it's if you play it now. Yes, the gameplay like, is, is you, pretty, it's, is, is it's archaic, yeah. But it's the story, people. It's the story. That, yeah. It's a story-driven game. You know, yeah, the the, the combat's kind of clunky. It's not great. You got these weird starts and stops. You got to queue up all of your actions and stuff like that. But you don't play KOTOR for that. You play it for the, the story that's being told and stuff. So, But, you know, to each their own, what can I say? Hey, check that out. Can't force you to play it. Look at this guy. He finally subbed to us. One six shooter. Thanks, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, See what I mean? Glad you guys, you, you guys board. wonder why I have like Star Wars time show. No one loves me. PTSD. Come on, come on. <laughs> it's hilarious. I get it. A lot of us, you know, we don't think to subscribe, but that, you know, that's why we say it. That's why we remind you. Please bring it. Thank you, Trevor at One Six Trevor, Shooter. Trevor was <laughs> hemming and hawing about not it. being on the show. I love it. Not getting and he's one of an our, he's one of our biggest he cheerleaders. Was... He's like Matt, shut the fuck yeah. up. You're annoying. You, you you hate yourself too much. You guys are good. And look, see, not even he could subscribe to the show until now. So hey, we'll take it sooner than later. It doesn't matter. We appreciate it. Thank you, Trevor. All right. It's toy time, and there's a lot of them, but uh, we'll, we'll go through them quick because I know Nick would rather be uh, watching paint dry at this point in time, I think. <laughs> uh, but boy, oh boy, um, us Hot Toys fans are in a lot of fucking trouble, Nick. A lot of trouble. Uh-oh. Uh, things I'm seeing that yeah things are getting dire these days with hot toys <laughs> and all the figures they are making from the Mandalorian to season one and season two if you're a longtime listener I've gone way the fuck up way the fuck off the deep end with hot toys and Mandalorian figures uh, I just checked today I believe I'm almost to 30 pre-orders right now it's kind of yeah. sickening when I think about it for too long, so I'm just going to move on. Stop it, Nick. I don't want to think about it. It makes me cry. Okay. <laughs> but anyways, last week and even this week, I, I yeah, we'll, we'll pull up some of the, the stuff that was literally shared uh, today and yesterday. But last week, the one, the, the, the initial salvo where I was like, oh my God, it never ends with these people. But they revealed the Mandalorian Boba Fett repaint figure with throne set. And just you, you can just get the repaint, but only pussies get the the regular. Only <laughs> real collectors get the stuff you probably don't need, but it looks cool, and you know it's better than the standard, so you have to get it. All right. But anyways, Nick, look at this guy. So what we have here is what a lot of people I think were waiting for, because you know me, I, I I snagged the first deluxe Boba Fett from Mando as soon as it came out. It was Nomad Fett yep. as well as Acid Wash Fett, right? And I was like, you yep. got to get it. You got to get the two set. You got to get all the Fets. And people were like, nah, they'll, they'll be doing a repaint. I'm going to wait. I'm like, cool. I'll wait too, <laughs> and I'm going to fucking get that one as well. Uh, but the repaint is here, and it is glorious. Yep. Because if you go with the with the with the mega set, like I said, you get the fucking throne. You get the throne Dude, he sits on in the stinger, and it is a set piece to behold, right? That that throne is I mean, like that is really fucking well done. And I mean, look, Hot Toys is the best, we know it, but like that throne just looks 
above and beyond. Yeah, I like mean, uh, I could have like like our buddies are saying in here. I I I agree. I mean, it's easier to make bigger things look nice. So I think the fact that that Bat and Johnny that they you know they make the one twelve scale thrones and they put custom paint jobs on it. I, I do think their thrones are, are beautiful as well. But in terms of the set, there is no question which one you get. Okay, you get the one with the <laughs> throne because not only do you get the throne. But you're going to get a, a Tamara Morrison head. All right. So for someone like me, it was a little rough coughing up the cash to get this thing. Because what would this fucking set cost? It was, oh. it was ridiculous, man. It was like, it was, I think it was like 390 I think, with the throne. Yeah, let's, let's check it out. With, with the throne, 390 yes, indeed. So <laughs> 390 oh. So Nick, here, here, let, let me break it down for you. So the throne and the head sculpt is going to cost you an extra $145. I mean, okay. For the throne, I get it. I, I get it. That throne is like next level crazy good. Like I, I could see that. But man, $390, yeah. is, that's, that's a pretty so penny. What do you think my dumbass did when you consider I've already dropped, what, what was it, $500 on the two FET set? Oh, you, you day one, yeah. day one right. special edition. Thank you. Thank you. It's that easy. <laughs> and don't give me this, that, that you, you know, hit, hideous is out there. It's like, Oh, I've been waiting for this one. I got the best one. I'm like, no, you don't. I have the best three. I have the Boba Fett <laughs> triumvirate. All right. Yeah. Just like Treya, Nihilus and Scion. I now have pre-ordered the Boba Fett Mandalorian yeah. style triumvirate from hot toys. I will yeah. say this, though, because I do believe I get a unmasked head in my double Barbie set. There's a good chance, if it isn't any different than the one in this throne set, that I will be offering that one up for sale to, tr to try and recoup some hard-earned cashola. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Here, Matt, I got a, I got a, I got a picture idea for you. Okay. We, I'm going to pitch got. it to you right now. So you remember how like a few months ago, everybody was doing those like images where it was like somebody is like doing a force push and then like they get knocked back and like their soul comes out of their body and you see it behind them. You need to do one where it's like they're doing that to, to Boba, but like repaint Boba's flying back and then fucking acid wash Boba flies out of his back and then nomad Boba flies out of his uh, back. Look at you. And then fucking kid Boba flies out of his back. See? <laughs> With your ideas and someone else's skills, you could definitely pull that off because that that is well, <laughs> well beyond my ability. Like, I would probably break my own fingers just trying to get the the four figures to stand up on wires and shit to to create the uh, look. But I I think that's a brilliant idea. And if I see any of you cocksuckers do it, you better give credit to Nick. All right. Hey. If any, I know that some of our toy photo bros are in here listening. I see Jared typing in a chat kingdom. All, all the toy photographers are here. Somebody pull that shit off. <laughs> Cause I want to No, see I, I actually, I I'm not kidding. Like, I, I think it's a beautiful, I love the idea I mean, and it, it does play on, you know, what I think plastic action was the first one to do that where he was beating this Anakin's soul out of Darth so Vader's out of body Vader, yeah. uh, and other people have done it after the fact, but I, I, I love the idea. Uh, but in the end, 
you got to collect them all. It's like, what is it? It's like, is that yeah. Pokemon? Got to catch Pokemon. them all. You, you don't fuck gotta around with these things, all. especially when it comes to uh, Neo Fet. You don't, you don't fuck around. There we go. Connor's going to steal it. Yeah, so that's yeah, press yeah. pause. Good. I, I have, Good. I know he can pull it off. So um, just make sure to, the whole caption should just read Star Wars time show is everything. Star Wars time show is life. All hail the Star Wars time show. <laughs> there we go. Press pause. Uh, waiting, waiting to see it, brother. But no, I mean, hey, <laughs> in the end, I'm going to regret having car payments worth of hot toys. But I'll tell you what, I'm excited to get them. I'm excited to get this FET. I know some people were ragging on the paint job, but I kind of like that it looks kind of shady. It, it kind of plays into, well, how did he get it painted? Well, he fucking painted it in flight and it looks yeah, a little it, fucked up. So that's how he painted yeah, it. Yeah, you know. Dude didn't take it to like a professional yeah. painter. He had some green paint Literally. laying in his fucking ship. Just hang it in there. You know, as the ship was swaying back and forth, he had his little paint gun out. He's like, oh, whoa, watch out. Oh, I fucked that one up. Got to repaint over it again. So um, he's out there. You can pre-order him. Like I said, the, uh, the, the the mega one, the one you should get is 390 and the other one I believe is 285 or something like that. So just do what a lot of us do and somehow justify that $145 isn't that much more money. So <laughs> upgrade to whatever. It's funny. My wife's like, Hey, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about redoing the deck and she's like, if we get the, the bar railing, it's an extra thousand dollars. I was like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. I am the worst person to ask about incremental upgrades because I can convince myself that any amount of better is worth that amount of money. So if you want me to say, no, we don't need to spend another thousand dollars, then don't ask for my opinion because I oh, will be dude. like, yeah, fucking upgrade it, upgrade the shit. Like I, I always That's want the like deluxe. <laughs> like with so Taylor's getting her Tesla in on the time. Oh, I didn't know this. You guys are going to be a Tesla yeah. family. Yeah. So look at we, you guys, so look at she, these guys making you know, some fucking cheese down there. A, a few months ago, like we went, we did the test drive and, and all the stuff down at the Tesla place in Austin. And when you order the car, they're like, okay, so you can get the car, blah, blah, blah. It's this much. If you want to get autopilot, which is like the full self-driving thing, it's an extra $10,000. Yeah, Nick's like, sign me up, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. I was like, and Taylor was like, oh, I don't know. We're never going to use it, blah, blah, blah. And I like... And I was like, no, if we're getting a Tesla, we have to have the auto drive thing. There's no way we can get that without yeah. having it. And I was like, if you, I was like, I'll pay if you don't want it. I'll Damn pay for straight. It. See, you, you know <laughs> what I'm like, talking about. And, and I'm sure yeah. I'm sure you do it on any bit of tech you buy, too. Right. You, you were buying oh, yeah. a, a graphics card last week or something or a CPU. I bet yeah. if there were multiple models, you probably landed on the most expensive that had the most bells and whistles. Right. Oh yeah, yeah you, I, you know that it just—it's well, just, 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 just an extra two fifty for the liquid cool shit. Why not? Yeah, that'll do it. I dude, I did it on the Steam Deck. Okay, so oh, I, I don't yeah. know if there's any gamers the out there. Version? Like I, 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 I steady FOMO'd last week on on Valve's Steam Deck, which is going to be their version of a portable PC. It looks fucking rad. I'm not going to lie, but I'm also not going to bullshit you that I have absolutely zero need for it. Yet the sickness of, oh my God, it's new tech and it's gaming tech. I, I got to get it. I gotta. So there's three, there's three flavors, right? There was one as, as low as $399 and as one as high as $629. And I'm, I'm sitting there trying to make my decision. And after a while, I'm just like, who the fuck are you kidding, dude? 
Who are you kidding? <laughs> you know you're never going to get the base model. That That's like not even in your, your lexicon, base model. Like, fuck you. So let's go to the middle. All right, so what's the difference between middle and top? 120 bucks. All right, what's the difference in tech? Slightly faster and slightly more storage. Okay, sold. I'll take the Primo edition. Yeah. It's like you're not going <laughs> to use it. You're just going to look at it for maybe two days when it shows up. But I still felt the need to get the best. So, Matt, I mean, you can now partake in the sickness that all of us PC users do every time a Steam sale comes up. Oh, I used like, to. Oh, my God, I can get... This game for five bucks and this game no. for five. You just, you, you know, it's funny, Nick. Like it's funny you say that because you had to do it all through Steam, which I think was nice. I think it it, it helped to eliminate some scalping and, and bullshit. They, they yeah. did run into some tech issues when the pre-order went live. Uh, but I think mm-hmm. it was just, you know, they didn't plan accordingly, as most of these fuck faces do. It's like... Look, just look at the PS5 and Xbox launch and and do better. You know, I'm I'm sure Valve is on some sort of cloud platform or their own where they could have dynamically provisioned more capacity. But no, this let it turn it like because Nick Nick knew I'm like, fuck, they're sold out already. I fucking missed out. I'm not going to get it day one. I'm not going to get it day one. And even Nick's like, holy shit, I can't believe they, they sold out. And it was just. Their fucking server shit the bed, and later yeah. on in the day, I was able to get in. But sure enough, I got in. It's like, eh, I don't need any of these. I definitely don't need the most expensive <laughs> one. But I walk away in my shopping cart with the most expensive one. So there you go. But uh, back to the Steam thing, because you had to log in. I have I have been able to avoid the Steam sickness, Nick since 2014 that's how long it's been but that right there i could see i I looked at my purchases right there was the 2014 79 game star wars bundle and that's one of the main reasons and i know people are going to roll their eyes and be like you are a fucking moron that's one of the reasons i got this steam deck to (laughs) get to my fucking star wars computer games from 1990 Okay. Yeah, I know. Right? I, I I bought oh, a, a a play. like Nick knows better than me. I mean, he he looked at the Steam Deck. I have another guy that's in the PCs. He's, they're like, no, that is a fucking legit yeah. gaming PC for what it is. That is a yeah. legit gaming PC. And Nick's like, if that thing docks, it's completely legit. And I'm like, guess what, Nick? It docks. Yeah, I can I can yeah. plug it right in my TV and 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 play right on that thing. But. It, it's like why I'm gonna be playing fucking games that could be played on a on an iPhone, you know? Yeah, I was gonna say you're gonna be playing Empire at War. <laughs> no, I, that's what I, I dude. Pixelated you hit it. I want to play Galactic Battlegrounds. <laughs> I want to play Empire at War. Yeah. You know, I I want to maybe go back and, and try X Wing and Tie Fighter shit like that. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Some people are going to be sitting there playing like Death Stranding and Cyberpunk right. and all. Not me. That's going to be like 1995 Star Wars, baby. Here we go. It's just, <laughs> it, I know I'm going, I, I already, I already, and I told this to Nick, I already regret the buy. Uh, I, I still think I have a ripcord moment where when they come back and be like, hey, now you need to really pay for it. I could be like, hey, fuck you. Keep my no! $5. Um, but I have a feeling I'll, I'll keep it because I, I actually do believe this thing is going to be legit. Um, I, I have always appreciated valve and and what they do and, and kind of how they operate their business and whatnot. The fact that you can dock it, the fact that I really don't have a, 
any type of, of non Mac computer in the house was another reason. Like, yeah, why yeah. not? I'm, I'm sure even though it's running steam OS, I'm sure you can get windows thrown on there. Oh, You can, you can download windows on it. Right. That's already confirmed. So, I mean, it is, it's a, but it's here's a the other purchase thing. if you're not a PC person. Yeah. So. I mean, it's, Listen, I don't like fucking with PCs. I don't like constantly upgrading. Like Nick just got a new CPU last week, and I, I'm sure that's a thrill. I'm sure he likes opening up his box and and installing that shit and crossing his fingers and hoping all the drivers work out and that it's going to turn back oh, dude, on. Trust me, I I I I, put, I installed it. I turned it on. Black screen. Thank you. I I had to flash. I forgot BIOS. that I needed to update my BIOS. Yep. You always got to do your BIOS if you put a new support. chip in, my friend. You got to do the BIOS. I, I forgot. I for, it had been so long since I since I got a new CPU that I was like, oh yeah, I got to flash my BIOS. But and then after that, it worked fine. That, and, and that's <laughs> the thing. At my point in my life, and really because I did a lot of that stuff professionally, I, never in my gaming time did I want to fuck with that. Like a black screen, yeah. like oh fuck, I did something wrong. I, I just thought it, I thought it was fun. I I, I like the I get little it. puzzle when that pops up. I get up. it. I, I, I'm not I like I'm not shitting on the the master race here. I I totally understand <laughs> why you all like playing on your PCs. I would just rather do other things with my time than fucking troubleshoot <laughs> computers when they don't play a fucking game that I can just stick into a console and it plays unless it's cyberpunk. Right. You know what I mean? But I, I do I feel, I feel like the steam deck is going to give me kind of the best of both yeah. worlds. It's going to give me the, the, the so. PC toggling and all that bullshit, but also the laziness of a, of a console, just sit my fat ass yeah. on the couch or outside or dock it and play on the TV. Yeah. I think it's going to be good. I will say that my PC is now future proof for like the next five to 10 years. Oh, I don't know about, I, I don't know about five to 10, I got, brother. I mean, I have 32 gigs of Ram. I have the, like a, the brand new, uh, Nvidia 30 series, one of the 30 series graphics cards. So that's brand new. I have the, the new top of the line AMD processor that just came out like six months ago. Like, I feel like, for I, I five five years I'm set. Yeah, five is a better call, but you know as well as I do how fast shit is moving these days. So thirty two gigs of RAM in five years will probably be silly. Just like sixteen gigs of RAM is funny these days, but no, it is funny. So uh, hey, best of luck to you because that shit ain't cheap oh. to stay on top of. All right, so uh, speaking of not cheap, back to the hot toy circuit where a lot of us are vomiting up thousands of dollars these days. Uh, the other one we got, and, and hopefully those of you that are crazy like me and feel like you got to get them all, but, uh, the armorer was revealed. It's, it's a, it's a, um, was it the toy con exclusive or toy fair exclusive, which is going on right now this week with sideshow. And if you did not register with them, I do not think you are allowed to pre-order this figure. I did. Oh, I wow. pre-ordered it. More money to waste, but she um if you signed up to get her, you should have gotten the email to pre-order at this point. After this, I think you're going to be left to eBay or if they have leftovers, maybe a wait list on Sideshow, but she's out there too. It's not over yet with the hot toys because like I said, we we got Toy Fair going on, Sideshow's um showing some shit off in the 1/6 scale range. Uh, I'm on Xclue's Instagram. They are they came back to life. I still don't know what the fuck happened to Xclue magazine. 
Uh, Trevor's never given me the the DL, if you will. Uh, but uh, Jack's at least back, or someone's at least back to posting on Instagram. So they, they captured some of the other new reveals this week. So uh, here's all the ones that I'm going to have to consider, Nick. Mm-hmm. Casca Reeves has been added to the Hot Toys 1 6 scale line. Axe Woves has been added mm-hmm. to the 1 6 scale line. If you were looking at the image of Boba Fett's throne, you should not be surprised that Fennec Shand has also been confirmed yeah. for the 1 6 scale line. As has. Cobb Vanth, who has been confirmed, and you can see him <laughs> if you're on the live stream. So uh, the one I do not see over here that also was put out there is Hot Toys is now getting into the one six scale diorama business, and they're going to have Holy the shit. Mandalorian hideout diorama at the one six scale. So some of these reveals I'm going to have to really think on. Costco might be a must. I was going to say, Axe seems like the one that yes. people will probably skip I, I, on most. At this point in time, you're, you're 100% correct. I think I can pass on Axe. Although I have a feeling in season three, he's probably going to become like this major character and I will have missed out. But hey, that, oh, such no. is life. <laughs> Cobb Vanth may be another one I can pass on, but I don't know. I just I think the character looks unique. I like the mix of kind of the, the, the cowboy garb with Mandalorian armor. Just it looks yeah. different. Uh, so, yeah, uh, like I said, when I kind of kicked this segment off, uh, Hot Toys, Star Wars fans, one six scale collectors, shit is getting dire, especially with the the, the Mandalorian line. Like, it's ridiculous. And as Tone said, and, and I think he's correct, it's inevitable that we're going to get a, a Jedi Master Luke or a Jedi Knight Luke at this point in time. Jedi Knight Luke from best, Mando, Based yeah. on Mandalorian, yeah. So... Uh, maybe it'll even be a Jedi R2 Grogu deluxe set. You know what I mean? Like, like get all three. Uh, so it's getting ugly. You know, good thing I guess my wife got a new job and one of these days may be like a, like a C-suite player the way she's going because we're going to need that. Otherwise, uh, I'm going to bury us in toy debt and uh, my, my kid's essentially going to have to be taught by me again uh, if I'm still teaching at, at, at a community college when she's old enough because there's not going to be any fucking funds <laughs> for uh, extraneous type of stuff because <laughs> of hot toys. Oh man. Uh, all right. So one six shooter and, and I, I can agree with him on this. He's saying Vanth better have an unmasked sculpt. That's a good point. So maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. if he doesn't, that's where we'll pass. If he does, it's a no brainer. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you are saying? Trevor? Thank you. Okay, uh, some more new toys real quick for us Lego fans out there. We got a new uh, Ultimate Collector Series set uh, from the Clone Wars era, and it is going to be the Republic Gunship. Uh, So this thing looks pretty badass. It's going to be 3,292 pieces, 13 inches high, 29 inches wide, 27 inches long. Curiously, though, you're only getting two minifigs. You're getting Mace and a Clone Trooper Commander. But if you're on the stream, you can check out Mm. some shots or the trailer uh, the UCS Nick is yeah, it, it's kind of where they take sets that might have been scaled down a bit and a little more affordable yeah. and easy to build, and kind of take them into the the masters arena in terms of difficulty okay. and just time required. Uh, but this thing is massive; it is a beast, yeah. and for its size. I was surprised that it was only clocking in at 350. I know when I say only 350, a lot of you probably just threw up in your mouth. Like that's how, yeah, that's how desensitized I've made myself to 
Star Wars collectibles and what they cost these days. I'm like, oh yeah, it's just three fifty. Oh, I'll just get the three ninety Boba, you know, Boba Fett set. I'm not like a daddy <laughs> warbucks by any fucking stretch of the uh, of the uh, of the matter here. I I just I'm a fucking asshole. I know what I like and I like what I know and I can't help myself. Um, but typically. I believe uh, the UCF Mac Daddy Falcon was close to five six hundred. I believe the Mac Daddy Star Destroyer was like seven hundred. Uh, so I, I found this this uh, Republic gunship in the UCS line at three fifty to be, dare I say, a deal. Um, but this set, you can check it out on StarWarsTime.net if you have not seen what it looks like. It does look like it's going to be a fun build. Apparently, it's got. Uh, I forget one of the, the initial blurbs. It was like one of the biggest moving parts in any Star Wars Lego set oh, ever. The, the door. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. So you got you got that going for you. But <laughs> August 1st, this thing goes on sale. It looks like it's going to be a Lego store exclusive and Lego.com. Nice. Uh, but 8-1, you should be able to snag it if you're interested. There we go. Okay. Good shit. That was it, right? We got it all? That was it. We hit everything, guys. We're actually doing pretty good. For an interview show, I, yeah. I thought we'd be getting close to four hours, but I guess I spoke too soon. Yeah. We still have the fan segment to go. So. We still got the fan segment. I will you say that. The, fans. You cocksucking fans. <laughs> you guys just, you know, we, we give you three hours of content, and then you just ask for more constantly. So we give you more. And this week we got our fan question of the week like we do all of all of the weeks all right. for, for Bad Batch. It's what's your favorite moment from Bad Batch Rescue on Ryloth? And we got some answers for you here. The only five answers that were on the post Sweet. when I pulled. Well, I'm guessing they were, they're all just too excited for uh, Mr. Gallard to be on the show. Mr. Right? Gallard. Yeah. I mean, hey, I get that because I was uh, I mean, that was a fantastic. Every interview that we've done has been really good, especially the ones with like the the actual. Yeah. Star, like people who've worked on Star Wars. But I mean, Nick was I mean, special. from, I mean, from like my perspective. I love talking to the community because it's like talking yeah. to friends. I mean, it's, it's really no different than you and I shooting the shit for the most part, even though we don't directly know any of these people. I mean, hell I, I I've met Trevor in person for, you know, 10 minutes, had a chat, a hug, maybe swigged a beer, but it's not like we, we've ever hung out and had, you know, deep talks. But when we get on yeah. the show, it, it, you know, feels like we we've known each other for years and it's fun. It's relaxed. When we get someone like uh, Nick Gallard or Silas or some of the other ones that we're supposed to get, but things just didn't work out. I don't want to say I get nervous. It's more of like an excitement. Like, I don't want to fuck this up. I don't want these people to have a bad time. And I want our fans to at least feel like we gave them something that they haven't heard before. That's so I, I do. I'm not gonna lie this show had me you know kind of feeling it a bit not as much as Silas because that was the first time we ever talked to an actual Star Wars person on air that? yeah so I, you know I, I kind of broke through that but even as as loud as I am sometime as extroverted as I may seem sometime I am still that introverted shy person that can't believe he talks in front of people for a living these days so I was I was I was worked up for for Nick today uh, but I, I think I was yeah. I was able to uh, contain it. I, I noticed when we when we went when we went right into the interview, I wasn't getting my my little sweats going on that I got with <laughs> Silas. I could tell like my heart was at a regular beat because I wasn't like <gasps> trying to catch my breath from that nervous excitement feeling. Yeah. So 
I think he was so relaxed, like just his demeanor, you know, he's sitting with his, you know, he's got a hat on, he's got a t-shirt. He's just, he was just so relaxed. And I think that you called him out at the end. I think those seagulls just cawing every so often <laughs> that put us in that relaxed mood. A little yeah. Bit. It's like when, when he first came in, it's like, Hey Nick, where the hell are you at? Are you on like a stage somewhere? He's like, no, I stole those signs from a lot. <laughs> now nah, he was just a good, yeah, he was a good like, fucking dude. And I don't know. It just makes me feel proud of, of us that he, he was like, yo, you guys were fucking fun. If more, if more interviews went like this one, I would probably not be so, um, hermit like for lack of a better word. So that, that was a good little, little little badge of honor today for the SWTS. And we can't forget to promote the content that he gave us. We, I've got it written down just in case Nick thought I'd forget like a teacher sometimes do. But we, we got to talk about the, the alt the, high ground, the yeah. alt Padme, and the whole Yoda and Attack of the Clones was the Yoda zero plan. ATC. I yeah, just make so make sure as soon as the 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 cast finishes processing on YouTube, I'll go in like and what's clip a good out. what's a good are are you just gonna do like one main? Or are you gonna try to like clickbait all three? I'm gonna do all of them separately. Yeah, but you're going all for like some good old Nick Cannonita oh, po- oh, clickbaity the- type of titles, like yeah, um, real ending of Rod's yeah, reveal. No, Padme's supposed to almost die, or uh, yeah. the high ground was not a, a a real scene. The high ground was a joke to everyone, but George Lucas essentially. I mean, that, that's yeah. what he was saying. Yeah. He's like, yeah, we all were like, what the fuck, man? And we're like, what, what, like, what are you? What? what? I love him, high, but he still like ground. he still had that reverence. He's like, listen, man, that that's George. Love the guy. It's it's his show, and we just we were there to play in his sandbox essentially. But I will say that like what Nick showed us, even that that little demonstration that he did, so much better in like on the video, like that looked way cooler. Right. Then just fucking what it achieves what it achieves Nick is it it doesn't make Anakin look like a fucking idiot and it makes Obi-Wan look even more badass and controlled because I mean what he was saying essentially Obi was getting force choked out but because Anakin was so hocked that's the other thing I liked like maybe you weave that in there like he he wrote the fight choreographed the fight based on the idea that Anakin just took a hit of smack and, yeah. and that's why he could not like his 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 power, which was greater than Kenobi, was just overflowing to the point where he really didn't have control. And that's what ultimately lost him the fight. But it, it would have Anakin would have looked less like a dope and Obi-Wan more of a pimp because as, as he was showing us, Obi was going to use the force to essentially Snoke. He was going to Snoke yeah. Anakin before Snoke got Snoked. How's that? Yeah, exactly. And that's what he was like, going. Take his lightsaber from him and cut his own fucking shit off. Yeah, I mean, he was like, he, as it was coming through on the force, right? He was going to chop his was it his arm. And then as he got it coming through, he chopped his legs off and he said Anakin was just going to fall to his stumps. Fall to the, he was going to yeah. fall on his stumps and then probably lay over. Man, damn. That was that fucking awesome. Been so cool. Yeah, we, we can't forget so any of that. Cool. I think you'll have access to the recording. You could probably at least go back and re-listen to it. Anyways, let's get the fuck out of here. Sorry, people. It was just, it was good <laughs> shit. I feel like we, we got some new, new stories out of them. I really do. I don't know. I guess we'd have to talk to Gallard superfans. Spencer could probably tell us. Uh, but I feel like he gave us some insights into Rots in particular that I at least as a as a fanboy never heard so maybe we won something here. 
Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sorry about that, Nick. Back to your fan segment, good sir. Okay, fan segment. The the first response this week is from Rebel Nursing. Uh, says there were several cool moments from an action perspective, but Hauser's stand was definitely the best moment from a story and inspiration perspective. Takes real guts to stand up to your friends and family, family, without attacking them when they are doing the wrong thing. It's all about family. All right, right. Dom. Next up. (laughs) (laughs) Next up. Thank you, uh, Rebel Nursing. Next up is Kingdom of Weird in the chat. Here he is. Uh, Yeah, definitely Hauser's moment, which shows that Order 66 did its job in changing the clone's opinion and mental attitude towards the Jedi and that they're still obedient and continue to follow orders. However, their individual behavior is starting to show back through. They still know the difference between right and wrong and are starting to realize that they're on the wrong side. See, that's the fun part about this, is to know that there are clones with this free will that still feel like the Empire is the way to go, and I, I, I think that's interesting. Yeah, and I think it's a good call out, too, that Kingdom of Weird says, like, Order 66 was really, like, it wasn't, like, be loyal to the empire it was kill the jedi so like now that like the jedi are largely gone and that 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 order has been executed and completed like they're they they are kind of like you know just regular soldiers again i don't think that they're being forced to like be loyal at all moments right so i think that was a good and that's out. what we said i mean we're, you know take it to the bank clone uprising is going to happen that will be the true impetus for war mantle and the replacement of clones for stormtroopers it's going down yeah yeah so good stuff yes! there from kingdom grief of cardboard is back <laughs> He's back. He's back. Grief cardboard. (laughs) He says, pretty simple for me. Everybody's favorite foul mouth droid chopper. I never know what he's saying, but I'm always excited. I'm always hearing F-bombs and other uh, expletives, explicits peppered throughout his womps. I also like the scene where Hunter takes out the probe droid by stabbing it in the ocular then nonchalantly pulls the blade out. Simply badass. Love the show, guys. I enjoy all the insights into the Star Wars universe you guys provide, even when it's the loud guy <laughs> talking. <laughs> hey, fuck you, Cardboard. I'm go. your biggest fan, there you cocksucker. <laughs> uh, thank you, Green no, I, Cardboard. I, 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 See, that's... That's how you make it in the mentions. You throw a little love. But in he really grief cardboard yeah, has no, become a part of the show because I, I don't. Did you miss it last week? But even Johnny dropped in a grief cardboard yeah, he, mention. He, yeah, he dropped in a grief. Cardboard. See, it's all yeah, happening. Like I, I, you know, I, I'm never ever going to be as delusional as some people. I know we're not stern. I'll never be stern. I'll never even be his foot. But we are trying to create like our own little universe of characters, even from the audience. And Grief Cardboard has yeah. officially become one when our own guests bring him up. Yeah, you know, he's like he's like a high pitch <laughs> Eric now. You know what I mean? It's fantastic. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. All right, let's see. Next up, we have Lima Four Photos. He says Hauser's moment might be obvious. Might be the obvious pick for me. It's how some of the other clones in his squad put down their arms too. What's going on? I can't wait to find out. Yeah. That conditioning is like, is starting to break. Yeah. Like we, we were bringing yep. up when we were Free talking will about is it. coming it's, back. It's, Free will is coming back yeah. to the clones. All right. Lima. Thank you. And then the last one is black series clips. Hera's shuttle scene was pretty good. Just started flying and is already blowing shit up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right when she takes off, she just kind of veers off and smashes into four or five other ships and then just 
continue to start to somewhere, destroy right? You, you can't become an ace pilot refiner. without without your first takeoff. So yeah, you gotta learn. You gotta. We learn. didn't get to see so. it. She she figured it out, and she definitely caused enough of a ruckus to uh, accomplish their objectives. So it was good stuff. A lot of havoc out there. Yeah. So. Um, appreciate it, everybody who responded to the question this week. And you can keep your eye out for uh, the question every week on Tuesday mornings before we go live on the show. So just check the IG. The question will be there. And then before Tuesday mornings, you can catch our next segment, which is the top five Star oh, Wars sh- fan artist features of the week. You know what we need to do before that, my friend? We kind of jacked uh, it this we week. Oh, you know what we need to do. Oh, I know what we need to do. You know what we need to do. And I'm getting it ready, so keep vamping for me. You know what we need to do, right? Okay. We need to talk about the amazing... Sponsor of the Star Wars Times. That's right. Okay. Now now I got a buddy. Yeah, like Nick was saying, hey, guess what's about to happen or might not be happening thanks to COVID-19 and anti-vaxxers. But anyways, the Olympics, Euros, baseball, major championships and concerts are all in this summer. You know what isn't? My friends, do you know what isn't a wild and hairy bush? That's right. Tame your pubes with help from our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below the waist grooming. Their fourth generation performance package includes the brand new lawnmower 4.0. If an athlete treats their body like royalty, why not treat your pubes like Olympic gold? Fellas, do right by your balls and join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to Manscaped. Manscaped.com with the code SWTS, which is going to get you free shipping and 20% off your order. All right, dude, you know, so we, we've been dealing with the Manscaped products for a couple months now, and it is hot. Yep. It's midsummer now. It's basically the summer's over. Like I told all of you, once July mm-hmm. 4th hits, the summer's over. You know, I'm right. Look, it's already July 20th. Time starts to fly. But it's getting hotter and you don't want those pubes out there and you definitely don't want to be hacking up your testicles with a standard hair shaver. We've all done it before. You know, you go down there with, you know, some clippers and the whole time you're just going, please, please, please don't let it nick. Please don't let it nick my ball sack. (laughs) Well, guess what? With Manscaped's products, in particular, the lawnmower 4.0, you're not going to get those nicks. All right. It's safe. I've been shaving my balls more than I have since high school. Thanks to these Manscaped products. (laughs) Thanks to the lawnmower 4.0. But more importantly, thanks to some of the grooming products that come in the performance package 4.0. That's right. The world, just like Nick and I, is starting to open their performance package 4.0s from Manscaped. Uh, And here you're going to find the lawnmower 4.0, the trimmer. Right, the one you can use to trim those balls and armpits, whatever. The weed whacker for your ear and nose hair. But more importantly, what's become some of my favorite products from Manscaped, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Toner. All right. Plus, yeah. in this package, you also are going to get two free grit. Sorry, guys. Two yeah. free gifts in the form of the Performance Boxer Briefs and the Shed Travel Bag. So talk about a world-class dismount into a post-quarantine world. This package is the perfect package for your package and peak performance in whatever sport you desire. 
The brand new Lawnmower 4.0 is here to take the podium. The fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade, right? So no nicks and cuts yeah. to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology. And I can vouch for that. And I believe Nick can too. I have yet to nick myself and that is going with no attachment. So this lawnmower 4.0 has 7,000 RPMs in its motor, a new multifunction on-off switch that has a travel lock that's very nice for those of you that travel. Plus, it has a 4,000K LED just in case you need to see in those dark crevices down there. <laughs> Did we mention that this trimmer is waterproof too? It sure is. Michael Phelps is drooling just thinking about the possibilities. <laughs> this package also comes with the weed whacker to chop your worst weeds up top and both your nose and ear. This tool is a lock to take home the gold in the biathlon. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof, just like the Lawnmower 4.0, but it has a 9,000 RPM motor and a 360 degree rotary dual blade system. So no tugging on those nose hairs or ear hairs. And if you're someone like me that can braid the things coming out of your nostrils, the Weed Whacker is an excellent tool. Um, so after you're trimming your pubes, Make sure to show them some sportsmanship with Manscaped's liquid formulations. And this is no joke. The Crop Preserver yeah. Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner are the key to feeling victorious this year. I have never felt more manly than I do now knowing that I have my ball deodorant on from Manscaped. I love it. If, if I feel like I'm losing that, that, that manliness feeling, I go get the Reviver and give it a few spritz and we're good to go. All right. So in yep. addition to all this stuff in the performance package 4.0, don't forget you get a great pair of boxers and the shed travel bag. So don't forget, my friends, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code SWTS at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code SWTS at Manscaped.com. Achieve pubic glory this year with Manscaped. Oh, yeah. All right. So no joke, though. I mean, I am 100 percent going to be a longtime user of the shower gel, the ball deodorant and the foot spray. I love it. Just makes me yeah. feel pretty inside and outside. Yeah, I love it. All it's right. good stuff. Let's get back to that top five the Star top Wars features five. of the week. All right. This week is from 712 to 719. I didn't put it in the title, but it's OK. It's from 712 to 719. And we kick off. This week, with a pretty gory shot here from at Neural Malice, and this shot shows it's a first it's and another, first, like another first and first from from Nick here. I'm so good at that. You are. I'm you so just it's like that. you sense them out through the force, and you're like, you know what? This I, seems I just, like a brand new account that Matt just featured for the first oh, time. Man. So I'm going to give them the glory right away and get them hooked yeah. to that SWTS crack. There we go. Honed in. And this this shot here is a shot from the Clone Wars. So we see two clones on the battlefield, one with his leg just completely <laughs> fucking gory, blown it. off. Always love the it. The other one is like pulling him out of the battle, shooting his gun. He's like, come on, man, yeah. we got to go. We got to yeah, go. Even the dude with his leg, it's, like the legs blown off like at his hip and he still, he still has his blaster. His up. He's like, I'm going to get these motherfucking clankers like pop, pop, pop. Oh man, it's. I mean, like this reminds me. You know, what this reminds me of. It reminds me of, and I wonder if Neural Malice took some some like 
inspiration for Band of Brothers because like in that one episode of Band of Brothers when they're like at the Battle of the Bulge they're all in the forest they're getting shelled and at one point like some dude gets his leg blown off right. and they literally like they're dragging yeah, his ass they, out they don't his realize leg, like his bloody stump is just sitting there like it was it's fucking crazy um, but yeah, I mean like clearly the clones are in some sort of like forested battlefield. Cause you can see like tree stumps sitting there on fire. There's just fucking debris fucking everywhere. Skulls. I mean, leg. yeah, I mean, this is a yeah. true battlefield and it, it feels that way. I mean, this I'm assuming is an outdoor shot. Looks like it's going almost full practical outside of the blaster bolt effect there. So, you know, I'm going to love that. I mean, outside natural light with practical effects, always appreciate the, the, those style of shots but you know i i'm also a sucker for the gore i just i, I don't know i'm demented <laughs> i like fucked up gory movies but i also like seeing toys getting into some gory situations so, so, so seeing a whole leg separated but the fact that Nora malice you know went the extra mile and, and added in the blood and there's almost it lo- almost looks like there's some meat in there right like some of the tendons yeah, know, and yeah. shit hanging out so uh job yeah. well done overall by at neural malice on instagram and, and real quick if you're new to this segment and why we do the top five on instagram at star wars time show every day we are looking to see your star wars art in any form real ass paint the toy photography scene tattoos cosplay uh, customizations you name it we want to see it and the best way to make us see it is to tag us in your star wars work and also use hashtag star wars time show hashtag that was like that was a real east coast midwest fucked up accent right there yeah tag hashtag (laughs) uh but anyways to get featured and make it to this level of glory, make sure to tag us at yeah. Star Wars Time Show. Use hashtag Star Wars Time Show. And every day I will go through both of those categories on our page and share upwards of 12 or more shots a day. And at the end of the week, Nick goes through all of those shots and picks his five favorite. And that leads us to the segment where you get honored, you get promoted, you get exposed. At least until we talk <laughs> over your exposure with our own exposure. So yeah, exactly. There you have it for so, you noobs, if there are any. All right. So at Neural Malice on Instagram, it's a beautiful shot. Absolutely, just it's it's one of the more gory shots that we've seen yeah. in a while on top five. Yeah, the so, whole. Um, uh, I feel like the 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 blood work, the blood splatter in toy photography, it kind of died out. I don't know, sixteen, seventeen, and and people started moving into the more elaborate dioramas and just fucking crazy shit, like you know, the stuff that Plastic Action or, or Jason B cooks up. It's like what the fuck? Like, yeah, man, I, I want to do whatever drugs <laughs> you guys do. <laughs> it's probably none, hey, and man, that's why they do it. it <laughs> so. Yeah, <laughs> they, they're mentally no mental fault. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, <laughs> all right, next up in the top five is at Gree Zero One, and we have an odd, like a very clean, crisp shot of two. I mean, are these? These aren't death troopers. No, these are the um, like, these are from Bad Batch, Nick. These, these are the elite squad okay. troopers. So, the, okay, yeah. they're, they're, we we've seen a few of these in every episode, but they're only always with crosshair. They're like his personal platoon. Yeah, his personal. But I actually think yeah. I think these look better because it looks like Gree gave them black paint because they actually are very very dull kind of gray paint in okay. hand. I mean, I, I have was going to say here. they look very shiny. Yeah, yeah. So they I look I, very like. 
I don't, I don't know if Gree, you know, painted them or, or customized them. He even looks like he tweaked their visor to be a little shinier. I'm not sure if that's an effect or paint itself, but but the figures themselves definitely look altered, which. I don't know. Maybe that maybe that's what sells the shot. But it's just to me, it's a, a well posed shot of troopers. And that's usually all you need to do to kind of tickle my taint. Yeah, I mean, I love bucket heads as well. So, I mean, if you can if you can toss one of those in there, make it look cool, then, hey, you got a good shot. Um, and I, yeah, I just like the setup. I like the posing by both of the troopers, you know, shooting off in the distance um, the little, uh, you know, the bokeh effect coming in from the top and bottom. I don't know if it's, you know, if, I don't know if it's necessary, but I think it works. It adds a little bit of yeah, uh, atmosphere right. to the, to the shot. And, you know, it's just, I, just I, it was I can't a, it tell was you, man, nice. I mean, the figures help, but it is a bitch to pose these little cunts to make it look like they actually know how to hold a blaster. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that's one thing. Like their their actual gun poses are very good. To actually yeah. get them up to look like where they're somewhat trying to aim. I mean that that's no small task, especially depending on what type of figure you have and what's what's block and what type of of range of motion. But I mean I don't know. I just it, it, any shot of a buckethead like Nick said that's posed well is pretty much a no brainer for me. I, I just, I'm, I'm drawn to them. I've always been drawn to the empire's aesthetic over the, the good guys, you know, what am I, I guess you could say I'm dark side at heart, but yeah, they just fucking yeah. look cooler. Deal with it. <laughs> All right. So that is, All right, at, at, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, at Gree zero one on Instagram. Well done. Next up. I love this is <laughs> this one. This was just a fun shot there. This is from at Andrea underscore toy photography. And what we, what we see is a uh, bombad general, uh, uh, Jar Jar Binks here with his, uh, with his shield standing under a bottle of <laughs> wine that's on a wine rack. And it's just kind of pouring wine oh, down onto him. And I, I just, I've been into this. I don't know if it's just because like, you know, sometimes the, like you, you see a lot of the same shots, but I've, I've been really into like seeing these toys in like real world practical yeah, yeah. like environments. It's just a change of pace. And I thought that this was done really it, well. It really is, Nick. It's kind of a genre, you, you know, toys being toys within the real world. You know, it's not like we're trying to make them not look like toys. You know, uh, Andrea, Andrea, she's, kind of playing on the fact that it is a toy but also a toy in the real world like what what would a little jar jar binks figure that came out of the cupboard from indian in the cupboard do and apparently he'd try to get himself fucking wasted on on yeah. some wine you can see the <laughs> he's got the cork in, yeah. in one hand he's got the shield in the other <laughs> i just uh, i just thought it was really fun and if you look at she actually did a a couple of like real world ish shots right, yeah, let's like pop this over there and her check it last out. one her last one was of uh, of Mando and of uh, Gideon playing uh, oh, Connect go. Four yeah. <laughs> with Grogu, like fucking with all the pieces. I love it. I thought that was really fun. And if you scroll down, she's done like a like a Sir Dork style Red Bull can cut off with Ahsoka. Like she's got Ahsoka oh, kind yeah, of cutting the head off with that. Red Bull can. Um, so you can see that she's, she's got a lot of different styles and a lot of different, uh, environments that she does her shots in. Yeah. Let, let's go. Um, let's go. Really let's fun. get her, let's get her a, uh, like, like Sir Dork. Let's get her a wine deal and some Red Bull. Right. You know, 
I know. Let's yeah, get her right. hooked up. Start start blowing up some bottles of wine with action figures. <laughs> yeah, even like even down towards the bottom, you got the TM TMNT bros kicking a monster energy can and like the fucking drinks going everywhere. So uh, I like her brain. You know, from what I can tell, I like the way that she thinks no, you about got Vader. Vader fighting a Guinness can. I like that. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, that was good too. Yeah. See, there, there you go, I, yeah, Jared. Sorry, Look like at this. Uh, Andrea going for the booze. You know, the booze is better yeah, than, than energy drinks. Let's go. Let's get some booze shots. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder that. I wonder if she is a follower of the dork because it looks like, you know, obviously Jared does this kind of stuff with Mountain Dew cans. And it looks like uh, Andrea might have taken some inspiration from those types of uh, It's just cool. I mean, I, she, it's all practical effects, too. So I, I always yeah. applaud that just because, you know, I know it's something I can do. So it's like, oh, I might be able to, to try this, even though I would never come up with an idea like this. I'm I'm stupid. And that's OK. <laughs> I like being stupid at this hobby. But it is great. I actually uh, caught wind of this one from uh, Jason B. I was in his story and he's like, oh, I love this shot. It's like, man, I hope I hope she tags us. So I remember. And sure enough, she did. And, and here we are. So um, it is it's 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 kick ass. I love it. And yeah. I, I do have a feeling after he let it drained out. He then began to swim in it and slurp it up and get himself um, a little fucked yeah. up. Yeah, a little a little drunk, like the mummer he becomes on the, exactly, on yeah. the alleyways of Tatooine. That is his fate. <laughs> that is his fate. Uh, so good stuff. At Andrea, A-N-D-R-E-A underscore toy photography on Instagram. Uh, next up, we have at Drew Originals. With a very awesome looking Vader Vader shot. So like this is a I guess an alternate <laughs> universe where like Vader is in yeah. the battle. It's like on, robot chicken on, type you know, of scenario here, right? Where Yeah. <laughs> so you see Vader, he's on a speeder bike, he's got his saber drawn. And he's chasing down two Ewoks and it looks like he's about to cut both of them down yep. on the speeder bike. I mean, just the the way that that Vader is posed is fantastic, especially the cape. He's got that cape whipping through the wind. I mean, the the running poses of both of the Ewoks is just fantastic. Is that, wait, is that, just, is that yeah, Paplu and Tebow, I think? Yeah. Yeah. You know what this yeah. reminds me of, Nick? I mean, it was probably in Game of Thrones, but but like medieval type of of movies or whatnot. You know where you, you got a guy on a horse. Yeah, you have a badass knight on a horse chasing down yeah. like civilians and just whacking their heads or cutting their arms uh-huh. off and stuff. Like th- I feel like this is Vader just f- fucking with the locals, you know, just coming in and really flexing instead of being on a yeah. horse, he's on a speeder and he's just arbitrarily hacking apart Ewoks. It's, you know, like, like, so like, like Tebow may lose an arm where Paplu loses a leg and then they just sit there and bleed out like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh know, my so. God. yeah. I mean, if, if Vader would have been on the battlefield, uh, yeah, going, during, going after the women and children, basically like that, that's what this yeah. is to me. During the final battle on Endor, maybe it would have gone a little bit differently, but we'll see. <laughs> you could, you know? just, could you see that? Like, in Return of the Jedi, he's like, yeah, fuck this shit. I'm not dealing with Luke. You deal with Luke, Palpatine. I'm going down here. Yeah. And he goes down to, to the to the Endor surface and just single-handedly wins the battle <laughs> yeah. by doing by riding yeah. around on a speeder and just hacking the fuck out of everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's just fucking ripping everybody yeah, you just, out. You see oh, this God. red streak, like, zoom, and a bunch of heads fly up, and zoom, arms fly up, and zoom. <laughs> Boom, there goes some legs. Uh, uh, yeah. I love it. It would have been over. The, the rebellion would have crumbled. 
Uh, but yeah, at Drew Originals on Instagram with the fantastic take here of Vader. It just, ripping it up just the seems like Vader is, is kind of getting off on doing this. Like he's doing this for pure pleasure, right? Like, yeah, just for fun. Like, you know, people might have gone out and, you know, when I was a, an idiot in high school, we'd drive around and find roadkill to run over. And we thought that was funny oh as fuck or throw pop cans at signs from moving cars. Cause whatever, that's what fucking teenage boys yeah. do. Destructive shit. Like I could see this with like, Hey Palpatine, I, I just need to take a breather. I'm going to go, uh, try to knock off some Ewok heads on my speeder. I'll be right back. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like mailbox like, baseball, let off <laughs> yeah, mailbox baseball, yeah. stuff like that. So, <laughs> oh Vader you, oh, you cheeky shit. motherfucker at, at Drew Originals on Instagram go give him a follow alright last up for the top 5 this week this is at faceless underscore trooper and this is just like a super clean Mando shot oh, yeah. super clean this is not full Beskar Mando this is like season 1 ratty armor Mando and he's just out in the brush. He's out in a, in a field. And it almost looks like he's kind of hunting quarry. You know, he's like in the tall grass. He's got his gun at his red, not quite at the ready, but, you know, it just uh, in his hands. It looks and like he's, he's kind of chilling. Yeah, it's person. like he's it's almost like yeah. he's reflecting on what he has to do or what he's already done. And yeah. and that's the sell for me. I mean, obviously it's outdoor light. The lights captured brilliantly. The figure looks great. There's not a lot of flash and bullshit. He's in like a almost like a hayfield, tall grass. But yeah. it, I think it's that just very casual stance pose where he's kind of holding his his rifle. And you really mm-hmm. can, Nick. It's like you can sit and look at this picture and and feel Din contemplating something reflecting yeah. upon something and, and that's what really kind of sells the 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 alive feeling of this toy photography shot yeah definitely um and yeah i've seen people in the in the comments on the top five posts saying that they would love to see this like a uh, poster size like put it on the wall type of shit i mean it is yeah it's, i mean it's, this it's, is something the, like we we don't have a lot of family pictures around i don't know why i mean it's just not my wife's biggest priority. She is career focused, which is fantastic. But I'm, I, we, we literally have like placeholders mounted on the wall with the generic, like fake family picture still <laughs> just in a it. Fake family. Yeah, I'm gonna replace yeah. one of them with this thing. You know, just, just yeah, I know. It's just like, throw hey, this man. up there. Like, hey, g- give me uh, the rights to print it, faceless, and I'm gonna mount that in my in my family room as a member of the Haywoods. Let's call my long lost <laughs> cousin Din, who lived in a dumpster or a bunker, yeah. right? That's what Nick said. He lived in yeah, a bunker was, for too a, long. He was in a bunker, you know. He just got out. Derpy Din. Having a tough time. Ooh, I'll save the day. Uh, I'll stand in front of all these blaster bolts for you. Tink, 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 uh, tink, 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 tink. Couldn't do it in this armor, I'll tell you that. If he took a shot, if he took those shots in this armor, he'd be fucking yeah, roasted. The old ratty armor. Uh, but now, great, yeah, great shot from at faceless underscore trooper, one of my personal favorites on Instagram. Uh, predominantly a one six skill uh, account, but uh, just good lighting, kind of simple setups, but because of the lighting and, and the posing and just the eye. Uh, a really uh, pleasurable account to follow at faceless underscore trooper. Yeah. And that's the end of the top five for this week. And that's the end of the show. I hope y'all enjoyed it. This was a banger of a show. 
thanks to Nick Gallard for coming in. Damn and, straight. And uh, Matt, take us, take us home. Boy, yeah, I mean, probably one of our best episodes to date, if not the best episode to date. And that, that's not putting down any of our other interviewees. I truly think we got some good nuggets from Nick Gallard today uh, in his stories mm-hmm. talking about Revenge of the Sith and some of the cut scenes that he wishes. And it sounds like a lot of the cast wishes made it to the light of day. Some great revelations about the final duel between Kenobi and Skywalker and, and Padme. Some awesome insights into how Yoda came to be a fighter in Attack of the Clones. Uh, so, hey, you know. You never know what's going to happen on the Star Wars Time Show, but I can tell you one thing, and that is to always make sure you're checking out StarWarsTime.net. That is our home base. That's where you're going to see the content. That's where you can get the audio-only versions of the show. Obviously, you can uh, subscribe to YouTube to do the live streams, which we do pretty much every Tuesday in between 2 and 3 p. East. Uh, So get subbed, but that's another reason to head to StarWarsTime.net because if you don't feel like looking for all of our links... They're there for you. We've got a very handy dandy subscribe to podcast section up there in the top or the hamburger menu if you're on a mobile device. And if you keep scrolling down on any device, you should find our Star Wars time on YouTube call to action, which has a handy dandy subscribe button that will auto subscribe you to the show. Yes, everyone, we gave Spencer his credit. All right. We'll make him a statue for the show at some point in time. Um, so thank you to Spaspa for getting Gallard, but thank you to us for making it a great interview, right? We can never give, I already gave Nick too much credit on this show, so we need to shift the credit back to myself. All right, let's go. You guys know how this works. No one else is allowed to get any credit or do anything good on the Star Wars time show, but myself. So anyways, Star Wars, and I'm just fucking around for you sensitive types. Get over it again. StarWarsTime.net. That, that's really the best place to go to find any and all things you need to know about the Star Wars time show. How about that? I'm going to go blow something. I just, you know, had a little ditty going on right there, but I didn't want to keep doing the rhymes with the blows and the nose and you know where that was about the head. All right. So StarWarsTime.net. Let's do it. There's always time for Star Wars time. Let people know. I mean, look, today you tuned in. You might not even know uh, Mr. Gallard was going to be on here and look at the treasures he gave us. So that's that's how you sell this little show. You just never know. It truly is a shit show that you're never going to know what's going to happen from week to week outside of getting some deep takes, good or bad, on all things you need to know about that galaxy from far, far away. There's always time for Star Wars time, people. Tell them. Shout it from the top of the hills. There's always time for Star Wars time. That's my falsetto. I don't usually break that out too often. All right, I'm not warmed up, so I'm going to stop right there and just leave you with this. If you listen to the Star Wars Time Show, the Force will be with you. Always. Always.